Welcome to Wrestling is Hard, where every side is the dark side of the ring, and we talk about a bunch of wrestling, and we kind of don't like all of it. First up is the man responsible for AW, Brandon. Hello, how was your week? Your weeks? 1.5 weeks. Two weeks? My w- Two weeks. My weeks were good, man. Not too bad at all. Flying by, I got to go back into the office for the first time in a year and a half in the morning, so dreading that. Just... That sounds fucking terrible. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine it. I'm really sorry for you. <laughs> Was just spent the last half hour trying to buzz my head in a way that made my bald spot look the best for people after you. So it <laughs> should be good. Can't wait, man. You should go back with like a full toupee, like a big giant one, like Fred <laughs> just, Durst was wearing when he went on stage. <laughs> just the, you know that uh, spray paint like hair stuff they have on, just completely cover cover my head where I have like the craziest hairline. H four thirty two or whatever the fuck it's called. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> so that's what i got going on how was your your uh vacation what's going on with you it was fucking awesome i loved it the only catch is that i love my family my my in-laws you know what i mean fucking love them i love being around them we have a good time seven day vacation kids are great really funny by day five though i'm kind of over it you know what i mean not the fa- the kids in particular Oh, yeah. I love them, but it's like, all right, yeah. Well, they don't, I'm sorry, we're not having chicken tenders tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> what I found was I start getting, like, weirded out about other people's parenting, where I don't care in small doses, but over the course of a week, you're just like, really, this is what you're you're going to do with this kid? And you just start to, like, slowly uh, hate people because they're letting their kid scream or whatever. I don't know what ages they are. but Yeah. No, no, it's... um. You know, I heard that they're, uh, it's my wife's sister and her husband, my in-laws. They're fantastic parents. Like, they don't put up with any bullshit. But, you know, it's just, there's three kids, and they're differing ages. One's one. Well, just past one. It's like one and a half. So he just started walking. So he's running all over the house. So you got to keep an eye on him. Then one, I believe, is five. And, you know, he's still, you know, he, he kind of missed kindergarten and first grade because he was in pandemic. Right. So he's still kind of a little kid, even though he's not anymore. He still doesn't know how to read like anything at all and everything. It's he hasn't been to school, so he wants all the attention because he's the middle kid. And the oldest kid is hates everything. She's got you know she's emo as shit now, and it's great. I mean, listen, I love my. I'm not gonna. I'm not putting down the kids. They're fucking fantastic. They're really well behaved usually. You know what I mean? But it's just they're not mine, so I don't give a shit. Right. You know, like when they start acting up, it's just like, you know. But I did. I had a great vacation. We definitely had a great vacation. I have nothing to complain about. That's but good. Man. It wears on you. Five days, I think, would have been enough. Seven days was. You got to be able to get away too. Like, right. hopefully, you had at least had your own space. I found myself when I was on with my in-laws, like extended periods of time, just like bunkered down in the room. I can't, <laughs> can't one of the, take people in doses. One of the issues we had is because um, it's my wife's uh, my wife's husband. <laughs> That's me. My wife's dad. <laughs> Um, he gets the place for the family for the whole year, you know, no questions asked, just whether or not you can make it. And, um, you know, my daughter comes, she's 21 and it's three of us crammed into the shore house bedroom. So it's like my wife can't sleep worth shit anyway. And I get up in the middle of the night and piss like two or three times cause I'm 150 years old. So it's like, I don't know. You just start to like wear on each other. You know what I mean? Like it's just like the bathroom habits. Right. I don't know. But it was a great time. We, 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 we had a good time. 
Good. Not to cut you off, sorry. We were sharing a bathroom with like all of the younger people in the family, like the the kids' generation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it looked like a frat house by Thursday. There's just like pubes all over the seat and stuff, and you're just like that. That age gap from like 17 to 30 is just like enormous. Yes. You're like, oh my god, dude. Well, you're almost like, all right, I guess I'm the guy cleaning up the pubes off the toilet seat because nobody <laughs> else is fucking doing it. Funny story about pubes on, a, pubes on a toilet seat. Um, I was in college, and I was dating this girl, and she was in the swim team. And I actually might mention her later because she kind of looks like Kyoko anyway. And I think I dated her because she looked like Kyoko anyway. But anyway, um, she was. Uh, we uh, did some acid, and we went to a, a party with all these girls that were on the swim team. And when I started to get really, you know, it really started to kick in. I went in their bathroom to go pee, and I looked at the seat, and there was so much, like, long women's hair all over it that I got on my hand, and it started <laughs> vibrating. You know how acid makes things? Yep. I got down on my hands and knees, and I was cleaning it with toilet paper. I was in there for, like, 30 minutes. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? I was, like, cleaning your toilet. <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing? I just, the whole toilet seat's vibrating. The whole toilet, I kept on saying it was worms. There's toilet seats got worms all over it. I got to get rid of them. So there you go. <laughs> Next I had, a, I, had a, I had a similar uh, <laughs> story, somewhat related. I my uh, mom remarried when I was an adult. So there's this guy who I wouldn't really consider my stepdad, but he's married to my mom, and he has his own kids, varying from like 14 to 24, call it. And the one that was on vacation is a sophomore in college, and she was just too cool for school the whole time. When I was off, like, just kind of being rude to the parents, that shit where you're just, like, getting a little old for it. Long story short, I think by Thursday, I was the, that was my big bender day where I started, I cracked one at, like, 1130 and ended up being up till 2 a.m. And uh, Sydney, my girlfriend, reminded me the morning that I that I told my, I guess, stepsister that she just needs to try acid. And then she'll chill the hell out. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, she's in, like, at the college, so. <laughs> Taking out a little too hard, so you maybe realize, she'll take my advice. Maybe she won't. Fingers you'll realize crossed. how small this universe is once you do some acid. Then you'll be like, oh, shit, I have no control over anything. Yeah. Or oh. it could go horribly wrong, and then I'll be at fault. But you know, like, you, classic. You did this. You made me have fun. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't tell strangers to take acid. You don't know what's going on in their head. But uh, Listeners at home under a certain age, don't, don't do drugs. Next up is the man to send the test of NXT, Chris. Chris, you there? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? <laughs> Chris is not here this week. Chris's uh, more important duties. I think we've all gotten a vacation week. That means when we come back from vacation, we have to work twice as hard at talking about nothing, pretty much. Just bullshitting. Chris, you'll finally listen to an episode now. Hi, Chris. And I'm Jim. I'll talk about as many Japanese promotions as I can handle in a week. Not much to talk about this week, but I watched everything else. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at hard4wrestling. Subscribe and follow. Tell your friends. First up, we're going to kind of do this a little loose this week because we're pretty much off for two weeks. So we'll start with, start with NXT, and here's a couple of things. I sent you an outline, and in the time that the outline got to you and this afternoon when we are recording, more stuff came out. Okay. Do you know our man Canyon Seaman? I do know Canyon Seaman. Well, Canyon Seaman was released on the 24th of July. We got a report saying that he was released, and they said, no, you're wrong, Meltzer. Uh, okay. He actually was released. 
And now there's rumors because I don't know if you heard this. Adam Cole's contract is expired. And rumor is that Kenyon Seaman, who was released, his Seaman was released, get it? He was let go because of this. Maybe it has to do with the other guys that left and didn't have their contract extended to the 90-day non-compete clause. I don't know. Brandon, this is your first time hearing about this, huh? I've heard about the Adam Cole thing, but uh, Canyon Seaman, I just had to refresh my memory. This is the guy who we, we went into his Wikipedia, and he was a pro volleyball player Correct. that had taken some kind of back office a volleyball U.S. volleyball job and then somehow slid right over into Vince McMahon's world and apparently has massively dropped the ball. Yes. And just, so I guess, I don't know, wasn't even keeping a spreadsheet, just being like, hey, when are these people's contracts up? So He was too busy, boy. man. On the weekends, he's, he's clocking out early. You know, some guys are like, yeah, I'm going to clock out, go play some golf. He's like, yeah, I got to go hit the beach volleyball courts. It's a, I mean, it's the Olympic season, right? He's probably uh, balls deep in the, the beach volleyball tournament that's going on over in, in Tokyo. So that, that must have been what happened. But He's like the oh, old he's yeah. like the old guy at homecoming weekend that's trying to pick up the young volleyball girls, you fucking creep. But, hey, you know my name's Seaman? That, yeah, definitely has like some kind of ni- 1998 like pro pro uh, volleyball T-shirt on with his medal around his neck, just like <laughs> skanky ass, reminding everybody skanky ass fucking to... triceps and elbows and liver spots. That's just no leg hair, no leg hair at all. So we think about the Adam Cole's contract. You read about this, right? I did. Yeah, man. Uh, apparently, he's a nice enough guy that he's gonna like stick with him through SummerSlam. I. I don't. I can't imagine him actually leaving, but crazier things have happened in the past two weeks. So we'll see. I just think it's more amazing that you have three brands to be responsible for. I don't know how many people are on the roster. Under 250, probably signed wrestlers. It's not that big of a roster to keep track of, especially when you're you're cutting it down to the the top five per show. But uh, Mr. Seaman, yep. let it slide. Let, let it all come out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't believe that he didn't like set a reminder on his phone. Like, it reminds him one week ahead of time. It's like Adam Cole's contract is expiring. Sign him. Like you have to know. Like if these guys sign three-year contracts, just put it on your calendar. That's the day you have to. You know, like what the fuck? That's exactly. It. You know, I'm in the corporate world and I obviously love this side of things and. Just knowing that a head rolled because they couldn't keep track of the most basic of talent relations things is is uh, pretty funny. But I think Adam Cole is going to survive this, so we'll see. I don't think he's leaving. Do you think he's going anywhere? <sighs> no way. I think he's got big money ahead of him on the main roster. If he wants it, but apparently... Uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Should we talk about a couple episodes of NXT? A couple of things stick out to me. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll through them and you give me your thoughts because you watched them, right? Uh, I watched two weeks ago. I didn't watch this last week, so okay, I, you, I heard you said nothing happened. So nothing really remember. happened. So we'll talk about the Cameron Grimes LA Knight stuff. It's going exactly as we planned. It's spectacular. It's stupid as hell. This week they were playing golf. Did you catch this segment? No, right? No. All right, so they're playing golf and Cameron Grimes is fishing his uh, LA Knight's golf balls out of the the pond. And uh, <laughs> and um, the Million Dollar Man shows up on his golf cart, and he gives him this pep talk, and they have this music playing in the background like it's like from a sitcom or something like that. And he's telling him, like, you're better than this. You know, L.A. Knight is the kind of person that does this. And Cameron Grimes is like, 
you know what, Ted, I thought you wanted me to do this, but I get what you're saying. So we get to, it, it ends up coming going down to this whole thing about a $10,000 putt, hole-in-one putt. Whoever wins gets it. L.A. Knight gets hit in the balls by Cameron Grimes. Real <laughs> slapstick comedy. Yes, it's great. Then he hits the shot, though, and he they're going against uh, the grizzled young veterans. So I think they I think they face them tonight on NXT TV, which I don't give a shit about them, but I love that this story is evolving and now it's including wrestling as well. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean this is kind of what I'm looking for, you know. I think when you commute or when you talk about and try to come up with takes about so much stuff a week and you watch so many matches, this is the stuff that stands out to me. You're like, oh, someone's doing something different. Uh, L.A. Knight, very funny at all times. Grimes, I don't know if he's, I would say he's funny, but he's going for something here. So I'm watching it now. He's got the, uh, like, the Scottish golfer cap with the, the ball on <laughs> the, the ball top. on it, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is pretty good. I'll have to check this out. But uh, I do love it. I'm glad. To bring Chris up, Chris mentioned that. I mean, we we brought him on board with LA Knight. We were on board with him from the beginning. But Chris was like, he sounds too much as like he's doing a pro wrestling promo at times. I love it. In contrast with Cameron Grimes, on the like everything he every time he talks to anyone, he sounds like he's doing a wrestling promo. Shut your mouth! You're such an idiot. And his hand motions and everything, it's fantastic. I love it. And him getting the shit kicked out of him by a golf club is great. Keep going with this. I love it. I don't know if we're going to yeah. get a blow off or not. I don't, I don't even know that you need to. But also, what do I know? But can you, or uh, L.A. Knight, Eli Drake, has, he's 38, and he's he was been around, went up, went down the WWE roster. I do think he's trying intentionally here to do like what Vince wants at this point, almost. Like these are the kind of guys that that Vince likes that are just um, a little bit over, like over the top in this like specific attitude. So. I could see him uh, kind of having a, a little bit of a run here until Vince destroys his character. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Roster. Yeah. Should we talk about that real quick? So uh, yeah. uh, Keith League shows up, loses a bunch. Cameron, uh, uh, Karrion Cross yeah. goes up, loses once, beats Keith Lee. He's one of the losses. And then this week, uh, Karrion Cross loses to Keith Lee. Like, what the fuck? What are you doing with these dudes? These dudes were fucking stars in NXT. What the fuck are you doing, Vince? Yeah, I'm, I, the, what I thought was interesting about this is Triple H. Uh, that was the first thing I thought of because it's hard not to perceive it as clear disrespect to whatever he's working on. Triple H is molding these guys, building them up, sending them off, and then Vince is basically just looking at him, being like, "What the fuck is this?" and sending like <laughs> squashing them, sending them right back. Like in my mind, he's telling. Hunter, this is not what I want. So I can only imagine with what's going on. We're, we'll get into all these different things, but I, I'm curious what Triple H is thinking through all this shit because he keeps bringing guys up and they're just getting immediately destroyed. And according to our source, we do have a source, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to say who it is. Within WWE, the basic premise is like come up with a bunch of ideas and then Shane and Vince come in and just change everything. Correct. Yes, that's according to the source. Yeah, they spend a, a tremendous amount of time writing much better versions of these shows, and then kind of they kind of get wiped out the day of uh, by the McMahon family. So good stuff, good stuff, and it shows. Yeah, it does. Um, what else we got? Uh, some guy named Ridge Holland returned. They act like he was a big deal when he returned. He beat the shit out of some guys. 
really jacked <laughs> and British. I have no idea who this fucking dude is. No idea. They're like, oh, he's back. He's back. I'm like, who? What? Who? Who the fuck is this guy? Did Ridge you Holland. Did you I'm looking him? him up. He is so... First of all, his name. What do we get Duke? We got Duke fucking Beef uh, Wellington. We got Beef Wellington last week. <laughs> and now, now we got Ridge Holland. These fucking names, dude. Yeah, these are like those brit-rest guys it looks like oh man they all look kind of the same in different sizes and shapes yeah so he shows up and they're hyping him up like he's a big deal i don't give a fuck it makes me feel just going back to what we just talked about i've been having a hard time getting into a lot of the wwe shit lately and it makes me feel better because it's that they clearly have no plan with a lot of this and this canyon seaman not even knowing when people's contracts are up shows that is that there's a there's you look under the hood and there's a couple mice running around nothing's fucking going on here they're just throwing stuff up throwing it bringing guys up squashing them bringing them back down ridge holland's coming up beef wellington's beef wellington's there we get what's his name uh the the japanese guy you saw Jiro. Jiro, the only guy that got my head out of my phone the last month on nxt and they immediately send him off it's like I don't know, man. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Not much of it's in WWE right now. No. Um, how about Orlando? Is his name Orlando Jones, the really big black guy that looks like Mark Henry? Have you seen this dude? Yeah. He's in like the breakout tournament. He was on 205 Live. The dude weighs like fucking 400 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I just pulled him up. Is I don't his name Orlando it. Jones? It is now. Orlando Jones is the guy that used to do Seven Up Yours commercial. Exactly. Yeah. This Orlando Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Orlando is. Jordan. That guy looks cool. The breakout tournament. Yeah. Is a Jesus dud Christ. So yeah. Nobody's breaking out, huh? No, it's a bunch of dudes that just kind of look the same, except for Ikimanjiro, who lost, and then you got Orlando Jones, who won. Well, if you're you know, if you're Triple H and Shawn Michaels and you're doing this and and the premise of this tournament is you're going to find the next breakout guy and the, you know, in theory, the past couple breakout guys, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, amongst others that have come oh, right. up yeah. have completely been shit on. You're probably like, what do you want? Like, what do you want from me? Maybe you're going to see non-traditional uh, NXT guys come in based off of the fact that if Hunter's going to keep doing this, he's not going to keep getting embarrassed by grooming guys and then having uh the main roster show no interest in them this is just a theory i'm working on jim i don't know if there's anything I like I like anything to it, but no i i agree bronson reed was a breakout <laughs> star i believe last year another one yeah they yeah. sent bronson reed up it's irrelevant it's like a couple dark <laughs> matches and nothing all right so uh the big finale of nxt the last couple of weeks so we get uh raquel gonzalez in the main event two weeks ago where she kicks the living shit out of Jaya Lee, so much so that I think she knocked the wind out of her on a choke slam. They had doctors in the in the ring. I thought she uh, broke a rib or something like that. She, nothing's been reported where she's injured, but she was legit <laughs> gassed out in the middle of the ring where they, she couldn't catch her breath. I was a little worried for her. She kicked the shit out of her. But this week, or this past week, as predicted... Dakota Kai turned on Raquel Gonzalez, kicked her in the fucking face. I'm the only one that knew it, not Chris. Finally, and as uh, the British guy in commentary said, I knew it all along. (laughs) 
Fuck yeah. So we're getting Dakota Kai against uh, Raquel Gonzalez at TakeOver. Go ahead. Now let's do it. Uh, I mean, Raquel Con- Gonzalez is absolutely beating the shit out of people. She's enormous. I do like Dakota Kai, though, so I'll check this out. I mean, it's probably one of the more interesting things going on on here. Besides, uh, you have anything else on this one? I don't, but you have thoughts. Go right ahead. Bring stuff up. I was going to say, I guess Mandy Rose is now going back, Oh, I do. Yeah, that's right. I had that written down. So Mandy Rose is, like, coming out on the ramp and surveying matches. Now, I watch these matches on Hulu, which I said I wasn't going to do anymore, but I did. And one of the matches she surveyed was a Saray match. And I I don't... What is this? Is she a manager? What's going on here? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, after they got rid of uh, Sonya Deville, I guess they're just... um, like trying to find some spot for her, so she's she's uh, I don't think she's gonna be a fucking manager. I would like to see her wrestle again. What do you what are you signing to me for? <laughs> oh, I'm signing you that I just oh. uh, my wife just brought up a bottle oh. opener. Nice, let's go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I'm sorry, not that they. Yeah, I'm having a hard time like finding most of this as rudderless. Right. It's, I, I agree. And especially a lot of the stuff that she's been involved with is cut from the Hulu feed. So, so far she's in a, she's walked in on two matches and both of them have been on the, off the Hulu feed. So I don't Got think it. they think it's all that important either. I like Manny Rose. I liked her in the main roster. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I mean, they saddled her with the, that Ohio lady, whatever her name is. Bro, Dana Brooke. They, they saddled her with Dana Brooke. That's she's, what, uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I said Sonia Deville. Uh, it was Dana Brooke, I guess, that came out as preg- is pregnant, so she's off. Oh, off okay, I missed that. Okay, that makes sense then. So, so they're finding something from Manny Rose Sonya to do. Yeah, so, uh, but again, it's just like moving people around. The story isn't driving the people. They're just kind of like, I don't know, we have someone that we need to do something with, so let's make up some uh, fucking stories. So. Yeah, NXT's been uh, kind of snoozeville right now. You got anything else to bring up from NXT? Now nah, I'm in and out of that show. I mean, I'll, I usually what I do is I'll read the the recap honestly, and if something interests me, I'll try to uh, skip around to it. Um, yeah, it's, we got um, Kyle O'Reilly at the end of Bronson Reed versus Adam Cole attacked Adam Cole. Does this mean we're getting another Adam Cole and Bron and um, Kyle O'Reilly match? I have no idea. I don't care because I've seen it so many times at this point. It's always going to be a good match, but why would I care about it? You know what I mean? And also, if Adam Cole's leaving or if Adam Cole's going up to the main roster, why did Adam Cole have to win? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Why did he beat Kyle O'Reilly? It doesn't make any sense. Why do I keep trying to figure out WWE booking? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Ever. It's just the stupid. Yeah, this is literally the stupidest thing we could be doing is sitting here just being like, what, yeah, what are we doing? What's going on with this? Because it's like, how many times do we have to be absolutely clowned by the fact that it's ab- nothing is going on? <laughs> Before you know it, you're like, what's going on? Why is it this way? Oh, this person got fired or released. Let's go into that. So we got uh, other news came out this week. Actually, yesterday. Ric Flair. And I'm disappointed, Chris isn't here for this because he would bring up the fact that Ric Flair was involved in his most memorable WWE event, the live sex show between Edge and Lita. (laughs) Ric Flair Flair requested his release, and he received it. Thoughts? I mean, what? how bad can the state of affairs be that someone that's 70-plus years old 
and is getting handed a paycheck week over week is like i gotta get away from this i there's i got a better idea myself uh-huh i agree. <laughs> agree could you imagine like you're guaranteed a paycheck and all you have to do is show up once in a while hang out backstage hang out with your daughter who you pretty much were estranged from for years and years and years and go drinking with andrade next to a pool and get paid the whole time but you're like you know what Thanks, WWE. He put out a statement. He's very thankful and grateful, and he appreciates everything they did and all that stuff. But he pretty much is just like, yeah, I've had enough. I'm going to go invest in myself finally at 70-something years old. This this Sunday was my uh, grandmother's 80th birthday, and we went over to her house to see her, and she's lived in the same house for 50 years, and we're just like, this stuff's breaking, and she's still got oil heat. It's expensive. She's in a little room in the back, no cable, no internet. And we're like, you sure you don't want to move to a smaller place? We can sell the house and you, we can live a lot more luxurious lifestyle. And she's like, no, I don't want to move. This is what I do. It's like, I have it down. I can't even get her to, to move off of a couch with no TV and no internet. She just likes to sit there because that's what she's comfortable with. Ric Flair is <laughs> is that annoyed with what's going on that he's like he needs to like fire up a new era of his career just to get away from this level of pig shit that he's sitting in. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, man, it's really hard to get people that pissed off that they want to reinvent themselves at seventy something years old. Yeah, instead of just being like, yeah, I'll take the paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. somebody else got released. I don't know if you heard this. Bray Wyatt got released. Now, mind you, there was rumors out there that he was dealing with some significant uh, mental health issues. The last time we saw him was, we're assuming it was him, <laughs> was at WrestleMania, I think. I did not know he was having some like mental health I mean, things that's, going on. That's the rumor. You, you may find it surprising, but when his buddy, uh, Bray Wyatt, well, what's the guy that died? John Huber? Luke. Yeah. Is his name John Huber? Luke Harper. Luke Harper. John Huber, I think. He passed yeah. away. He had Apparently, he hasn't been taking it too well. That may be a little bit surprising to us at home. So, Bray got released. Thoughts? Go ahead. This one, we go through a lot of these in the past six months. We have similar conversations. What do you think about this guy? What do you think about this guy? I would say this one stood out to me amongst all the rest. Uh, I've watched wrestling my entire life, but I haven't watched weekly my entire life. And one of the people, or I would say the person that brought me back around 2013 was Bray Wyatt. People sending me videos of the Wyatt family. It was uh, right around the time uh, that True Detective had just kicked off and they had that like southern spooky horror thing. And it was just something I hadn't seen before. It was believable. That's like my kind of spooky is not the paranormal uh, zombie type stuff it's like a couple creepy guys in the back the backwoods you found yourself in the wrong place and you could actually see yourself in this position i just thought that that wyatt family thing when it first started was so fucking awesome i was i found myself the last couple days watching some uh promos of him and how good he was back then that got squashed and i was like pretty disheartened he had been losing a ton um he, he came back with the fiend i didn't like the fiend it wasn't for me but it was incredibly popular it seemed that jumped the shark we spent some time laughing about how bad that had gotten at this point um i wasn't necessarily surprised to see them cut ties 
but it's just another uh, nail in the coffin as far as, geez, man, they can get handed something that would bring wrestling fans back after years off and they still kind of just shit it away to this point where he's I don't want to I don't even want to make the connection that his mental health had to do with what WWE did to him but uh I, I have a feeling that had he been treated differently here he wouldn't have been cut today this week so they were handed beef wellington and they gave us back poop shittington <laughs> There we go. That's all I was trying to say. A lot less words. They, I can't off the, you know, like, Bray Wyatt was a fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, it was, the Wyatt family was a big thing. And you pointed out that True Detective Season 1 was obviously the inspiration for this, among other things. But this was the inspiration at the time. Well, the actually, I looked up. I looked up, so... True Detective Season 1 didn't air until January of 2014. He was came in in late 2013. So that oh, was no a shit. No timely shit. coincidence, but he did oh, not take from that. I did not know that. It's It was just such a cool thing that, once again, WWE fucking ruined, which they were very... It happened more often back then than they hit like a renaissance in the mid-2010s, you know what I mean? Like 15, 16, 17. I I just don't get it. I can't think of another guy with like more potential that was right. just handed to them that they've ruined worse. Even when yeah. they got they got their hands in with the Wyatt family and they started to ruin it, where they had him going out there with promos every single show, Raw and SmackDown, rambling promos. Save your promo. Save these promos. Why would you do it every week and ruin it and water it down where he's out there and he just Obviously, seems like he's having to drag into 25 minutes of speaking in tongues. And they fucking ruined it, man. They ruined Bray Wyatt. They ruined the Wyatt family. I want to go back. I want to go back to when they were good. And, I mean, best of wishes to Bray Wyatt. I mean, I'm sure he's listening. Um, to First, if mental health is the issue, I mean, he could pretty much do whatever he wants. I don't see him running AW right away. But, I mean, he could do whatever he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets involved in something else besides wrestling. Maybe writing comic books like CM Punk did or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, the guy's got a creative mind. If he is, if he's the one that was responsible for all these ideas that he came with. Even The Fiend, you know, which you said it, like, we were not a fan of The Fiend. Like, The Fiend, the idea was cool, but the execution through, you know, months and months of a story, I, I didn't particularly like. But we, we were talk we talked about this before on the show. Like, do you think that, his disconnection creatively is when this storyline started to fall off with Randy Orton and and Alexa Bliss being involved and all this stuff. It all seemed to happen around the same time that um, John Huber died. Maybe he needed some time off. Maybe he was... Because it all seemed to fall apart around the same time. You know what I mean? This is complete speculation, yeah. of course. What do you think? It's a, a completely possible. The... The Randy Orton thing to me never had a clear direction, and I was somewhat checked out as far as my hope for Windham Rotunda as a WWE wrestler at that point. But that's entirely possible, given the fact that he seemed to drive his career a lot farther than Vince planned for him or did for him, right? So that's an, that is entirely possible, but um, I think, I as I said, I was watching some of those videos, and 
he's compa- he, I guess he, he was comparable to the Undertaker, right? Like Vince tried to make him an, an Undertaker esque figure in, in some of these situations. They even had him come out and like pop the casket open and he came out of it. I don't think the Undertaker would have worked had it not been in the early 90s. Right. We've discussed this before. Today, yeah. Like yeah. now you would just think it was corny. But that did. When he came out with the Wyatt family, I, I saw that and was like, this is the perfect evolution to that slot in the roster. The leg- legit I can scare everybody on the roster in a different way than Brock Lesnar can slot. There, there is room for that. It doesn't need to be the way that the Undertaker does it, but there is a room for that. And it felt like he just got forced into being the fucking Undertaker. And what was actually just mental manipulation? He had some message about the fact that maybe he wasn't the bad guy. Maybe, maybe what WWE is positioning as the good guy is just wrong. And he's gonna, he's gonna hear to to level set things. That just got forced into no, he no, he is fucking magical wizard powers, and he's. Mm. He's the the uh, dark evil guy that can conjure things up and and well, I forget what we were calling it the the, the uh, where you can move objects. What is that called? Oh, uh, uh, telekinesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the telekinetic. Our but, source uh, our source also pointed out which we suggested that about the slime. Correct. Yes. We haven't talked much about our source, and we're not about to start giving away names or anything like that. But we send random strange questions their way. Not anything like, who's going to win? Did this guy sign? Nothing like that. It's more like, hey, who came up with the idea to use green slime in the Bray Wyatt, or the <laughs> Shane McMahon versus uh, the giant dude, the choo-choo train guy? What was his name? Strowman. Strowman story. And then we get answers. And he gave us answers about the slime. What was his answer? I forget. Our suspicion was that... Our- they bought the slime for the the fiend gimmicks, and it looked stupid, so they just stuck it in that storyline, right? I knew that when I saw the green slime, and there had been black slime used coming out of Randy Orton's mouth, that they bought multiple slimes, tubs of slime, and they made Randy Orton go, now spit the purple slime out, now spit the red slime out, now spit <laughs> the green slime out, until they figured out which one looked the coolest. They went with black slime, and then when I saw all of a sudden green slime was just being doused all over Braun Strowman by the gallon, I'm like, oh, this is this is clearly from the slime test, the slime and that test. was confirmed. They said, yes, that's exactly what happened. This is See? It. There you go. See, our, our fantasy booking turned into reality. I don't know. This, this is really disappointing, this Bray Wyatt thing, because... You know, there's reports coming out that the reason why he actually was released is because of budget costs, budget cuts. That I don't believe. I don't believe it either because there's no way this guy costs more than what he was making. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way that ridiculous uh, fiend face backpack that was selling for $100 cost, like, selling fucking 20 of those things makes up one episode raw. You know what I mean? Like... It doesn't make any sense. Financially, it makes no sense that Bray, releasing Bray Wyatt saved the money. There's no way. I see way too many pictures on Twitter, and I'm on, I've am on. i got into, into wrestling TikTok. Oh, I see you. way too many videos of those weird fiend belts that are like $499.99 for mm-hmm. me to ever believe 
that that's what it was. And actually, I think the opposite. It, I think people are probably people at uh, Fox and who I forget, forget who the other countries with USA uh, uh, are uh, probably uh, universal pissed. Universal, thank you. Are probably fucking pissed at what's going on uh, with the amount of people that are walking away and not coming back. Hence, one head full of semen has, has finally rolled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I wish, he, I wish he would come back. Yeah. Seriously, though, this is fucked up. This sucks. And there's two different things that are going could be going on. If it's his mental health and he wants to be uninvolved with the WWE, more power to him. I can totally... <sighs> Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. I thought I was on mute. That, that came across. I, I can totally understand how he got to that point, especially with the John Huber news. I guarantee you that guy can do whatever the hell he wants, whether it be with horror, movie writing, comic books, as Jimmy said. Whatever he wants, go for it. But if this is some kind of weird thing where he's just frustrated with what WWE is doing with him, that is a sad state of affairs for what's to come with the WWE under Vince McMahon because this guy was a 10 out of 10 prospect, brought it all the way. You know, he was a champion. He took it all the way to the top. So many things you could have done with him had they just let it breathe a little bit and they just exhausted two different characters. Never forget that he, the Fiend lost his title at WrestleMania to Goldberg. Just let that stick in your head. I forgot about that. That makes me sick. <laughs> what the fuck? All right, let's move on. R.I.P. Bray Wyatt. Dead but not forgotten. We'll see you on the other side. So, <laughs> here we go. So, I don't follow GCW, and we had the chance to go to the show. This was at the showboat, correct? Correct. So, I had been teasing Chris about going to the show. I don't really want to go to Atlantic City ever. But we said not to get, we weren't going to go because it's GCW. GCW tends to be a lot of, I mean, there's wrestling and other stuff, but it's a lot of hardcore shit. I'm not a big fan of scene. Unless it's Onita in the ring, I don't like hardcore. So, <laughs> Matt Cardona, aka whoa, whoa, whoa guy, wins and beats Nick Gage, who we'll talk about, surprisingly, we'll talk about later, for the GCW something, something, something title. The entire crowd loses their shit. They start throwing like beer bottles into the fucking ring. Cardona's in there like a champ. He's holding the belt. He's getting pelted by this shit. Now, Brandon, you've witnessed a uh, Atlantic City crowd with Nick Gage in the ring. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I first of all, I'll say this: Matt Cardona got what he wanted from this, and it did work. He got a ton of heat. Um, his name was trending on Twitter in sports. He's not a Zack Ryder as Matt Cardona, which I think is what he was looking to do with this. He came on Impact, I believe, as Matt Cardona to little to no fanfare. And I think this was just kind of like a reset for him. Like, let me just blow my name back up as myself. But we've talked about before, I just completely hate this shit. I have absolutely no respect for nick gage at all and i don't i think gcw probably this is what they wanted was beer bottles thrown at the at the ring and these people going nuts but why would anyone want that so this is uh not to quote uh jim Cornette, but it's like this is some like outlaw mud show shit going on that I, which is my least favorite kind of 
wrestling. <laughs> did you see what the Meltzer said? He was very upset by this. He did not like it. <laughs> he was very. He thought it would disrespect the professional wrestling. And then there was a report on his stupid uh, podcast where he said there were plants. There were plants in the GCW crowd that threw bottles just to get everybody else to start throwing bottles. To which Brett Lauderdale, that's not his real name, but we saw him, we saw him in the Dark Side of the Ring episode, that little twerp. He responded and in a brilliant fucking marketing move. He responded basically calling, we outsmarted the smartest mark of them all. There were no plants <laughs> involved. Fuck you, Meltz. And he created t-shirts with Meltzer's tweet with the image of Matt Cardone in a ring with bottles thrown at him. Fucking brilliant. I got to give the guy credit. Thoughts, Brandon? Yeah, that's great. The gap, this is a, the thing about wrestling that doesn't exist in many other fandoms is the gap between what I would consider the low end with maybe GCW and whatever the intellectual side of it pretends to be, referencing Dave Meltzer, is, is razor thin. <laughs> and it, it wasn't very hard for it wasn't very hard for the GCW ad to just get one over pretty pretty swiftly on uh, Dave Meltzer. So respect to him for that. And look, man, they, this is what these guys do. They don't beat it around the bush. They're not trying to be something else. I don't like it. I don't watch it. But I'm I'm not going to talk shit on them if they get an audience full of people and make money doing that. It's better than what a lot of people do for for money. So. Uh, good for him, man. That's what it is. It's kind of fucking funny. So, yeah, it's uh, it, one of the things is that GCW is not uh, their audience isn't necessarily the hipster crowd of professional wrestling. They're not going to pro wrestling gorilla. They're not watching New Japan pro wrestling. That's the Meltzer crowd that worries about stars and all that stupid bullshit. GCW crowd, they like to go there, get shit faced drunk, eat chicken fingers and fries, and watch people they, bleed and not really wrestle. They like light tubes. They don't care about stars. They want to, How many light tubes are we going to break tonight? Hopefully none. Oh, we're going to talk about light tubes later. All right, let's move on. Um, so New Japan Pro Wrestling did their WrestleSlam event in Tokyo Dome. It was looked like there was like maybe 9,000 people there in the Tokyo Dome. Tokyo Dome holds – it's a baseball stadium. It's massive. It was during the day because we talked about this before. The Japanese, in their failure – to deal with COVID, somehow think COVID is only for vampires and you have to do everything during the day. But they uh, booked a show. It was a pretty stacked lineup. The initial match was supposed to be Shingo Takage, who was the champ, against Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi had pneumonia, some kind of pneumonia. He had pneumonia for like a month now, it seems like. And only at the last minute had they announced that he was not going to be able to make the show. Roshi Tanahashi not, steps in. Go ahead, Brandon. We don't know if that's COVID related. No, no, we know it is not COVID related. Okay. They have, st- according to their statements, it has nothing to do with COVID. So he has pneumonia. I mean, people do get. I mean, that's one of the weird things about. You just assume everybody's sick with people get sick still, whether it's COVID or not. But they bring in Hiroshi Tanahashi. They plug him in. 40-some-year-old Hiroshi Tanahashi against Shingo Takagi. Main event Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome. Brandon, thoughts on this fucking match? I don't even have a New Japan login anymore, so I was in and out watching clips online. I've, uh, yes, you do. You have little... mine. You can use mine anytime you want. 
well, a little inside baseball here for the wrestlers. We have a, a shared spreadsheet that includes each of the shows and potential logins, and there's no <gasps> New Japan login. <gasps> so, little, little. This is what we have. We have show, oh show notes, suggested viewing, other thoughts, and next big show. And this is Jimmy's notes. It says, <laughs> "Show, fuck thoughts, fuck this match recommendations, fuck off. What is happening?" What is happening coming out? Fuck them. And next big show says fuck. So oh. I watched. <laughs> I didn't. I'm watched sorry. <laughs> and uh, oh, I didn't, and uh, I, I felt, it just felt fucking sad, man. I'm sorry to keep using the F word here. I'm just re- relentlessly throwing it out there. But um, the to- it's the Tokyo Dome, man. They're they're New Japan, the Tokyo Dome. This is a big deal, and it's there's a scattered audience i I, nine thousand i think is generous it looked pretty damn empty now i know that place is huge and they didn't announce that it was tanahashi till like the day of yeah yeah, i think it was like four days before the show or something like that the match was fine i love tana i'm never gonna hate on that and then i but then i saw evil came out and it's (laughs) shingo versus evil and all right all right right, let me cut you off let me cut you off okay so being that you didn't watch the entire match because the passcode, according to you, was fuck, fuck this, fuck off, fuck them, and fuck. Um, <laughs> this match was fucking awesome, dude. First okay. of all, it was 40 minutes. So it was like 37 minutes. Which of course, immediately I'm like, Christ, here we go. We're about to talk about a really long match in a couple of minutes. Um, but the match was fucking spectacular. Tanahashi, you can get it up for these matches, man. It was fucking good. Very good. I say go out of your way and watch it. One of the best matches of the year by New Japan by by far. Um, the problem being is that coming out of this, we get Evil versus Shingo. I have no fucking interest in it. Evil hasn't won shit in so long. The last time we talked about Evil with interest was the blackout match against Toriano, and everybody went with the blindfold match instead of the blackout, instead of the everything is evil match, right. which have turned the lights on and off the whole match. I have no interest in this fucking feud coming out. And I liked Evil when he first turned heel during the pandemic. I was into it. But all he does is cheat. You got fucking Dick Togo in there. Yeah, not a fan. The match was good, though. I say go out of your own watch it. And I don't, I don't want to... I'll check it out. Uh, I don't want to be this guy that's like complains about the booking of everything. Like, who, like That's just fucking lame. Uh, but... If you want to just throw a wild card out there, uh, clearly we, we didn't know Kota was going. Tanahashi's not going to go into a storyline here. I don't, give me, I don't know, off the top of my head, Jeff Cobb. Like, make it right. something interesting where I'm like, in this weird spot, I did want to see Jeff Cobb in a big match. I Cobb, don't really want to see feuding, people in this spot. Cobb is feuding with Okada right now. Okada just rolled up Cobb on this show. The show is okay. It's not great. The top three matches are pretty good. So it would be Cobb, Okada, and then there was the tag team match between Naito and Sonata versus um, Dangerous Techers. Techers. Dangerous Techers, which is a pretty good match, but it was a little long. And the main event was, you know, it was a fill-in spot. Would I have been more invested if it was Ibushi and they could build to it? Sure. It's a last-minute change. This is a company that, no fault of their own except for Evil's booking, they are fucking dealing with a lot of COVID shit. A lot of guys have been sick, and I think they're doing their best they can. I'm not giving them too much credit because a lot of times I find it unwatchable. But you know, some of the big shows now are like house shows. But I mean, like this is the example of 
Japan is a fucking mess with COVID. They are doing a terrible job of it. They have the Olympics over there. I was reading up on this shit when the Olympics started. I'm like, all right, I got to see what the fuck is going on. Why is this happening? Because the, the Olympics are happening fanless. But you can go to a baseball game. You can go watch wrestling. You could go do a bunch of different shit, but you can't go to the Olympics. And then I find out that you're not supposed to be going to bars and restaurants after a certain time. But people are doing it anyway. And they're interviewing people on the street. And people are like, well, they let all these foreigners in to go to the fucking Olympics. Why can't I go get get a drink? Why can't I go out and do my own stuff? So you get into this, like, the government is failing these people with its message. And it's not a situation where it's in the United States where, like, people aren't believing the med, like people, not myself, but, you know, other people, the people that argue against vaccination, masking, all that shit, are saying, like, oh, well, the scientists don't know what they're talking about. The CDC doesn't know what they're talking about. No, no. At least their their decisions are based in science. Japan's decisions are based in fucking nonsense, man. Like, some people can come out, but other people can't. Or they got government officials are going on fucking... You know, golfing trips, and then three of them are getting sick, and they're like, oh, well, we're really sorry, but you guys can't go to the bar. It's a fucking mess over there. It's a mess over here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> Fuck. People can't control, people can't control themselves, and uh, you try to give, like, a, some discretion to people, and it just it doesn't work like that, so. Yeah, you give people the uh, option of, like, you should wear a mask, but we're not telling you you, you have to. Immediately, people are just throwing it in the fucking street, especially when you get some alcohol involved, which I get their decision to say, like, well, alcohol is a trigger. They did in Philly, too, where you couldn't last call had to be like 10 o'clock or whatever. I'm like, well, people that drink past 10 o'clock tend to make poor decisions, <laughs> which I'm not going to disagree with. I've made some really bad decisions after midnight, but well, it's a fucking mess. Also, Florida is uh, where we have 21,000 cases a day in Florida. Is it that bad? Yeah, it's twenty one thousand. I think they broke their record uh, yesterday. So you have and they're to wait, like you, the control group. Yeah, they are really. They are the control group. It's all it's all Delta variants, and I, I'm a little worried that we're not going to be able to do anything. I'm I'm a little worried we're not going to be able to go see AEW in October. I don't think so, man. I, I'm done. I my whole perspective on it, and this is super selfish, I guess. It's like the the vaccine has shown resistance to the Delta variant, as far as I know, and the symptoms and the likelihood of death. And uh, I guess as soon as this thing came out in February or that you could get vaccinated, my head immediately went to, OK, what's the amount of, amount of time that the vaccine can exist where the people that want to get it can get it and the people that don't want to get it are on their own? Mm hmm. And we could just move on as a group of people. Global warming anyway. If these people want to fucking roll the dice, I don't care. It's fucking tornadoes ripping through Philadelphia. (laughs) Tornadoes are ripping through Philadelphia. People, listeners at home, if you've been watching the news, I can remember, before the last 10 years, I can remember maybe two tornadoes in 30 years. Now we're getting fucking multiple tornadoes in one storm. Philadelphia is not a fucking alley for tornadoes. What the fuck is going on with this country? This world? Am am I crazy, though? I'm like, uh, everybody that I mingle with is vaccinated. The two people that aren't vaccinated that I'm around, I don't go see because they're older, and I don't want to be the one that killed them. Hmm. I can make that decision for myself, but it's like, don't, don't, don't let me... 
let me go see fucking AEW at the Lyacora Center. Right. Well, a good sign also, for also, a good. Go ahead. A good sign for that. Is, for that is, uh, I'm going to see Japanese breakfast on Sunday. Nice. And she put out a statement, or the band and the band's management in general was like, you cannot get in the building unless you have been vaccinated or you've had a PCR test two days, at least two days before the show. I'm okay with those rules. If you're going to be in a group of fucking people, and they also tell you you got to wear a mask inside, I'm okay with it. I don't need to talk. I don't need my face to be seen. I'm there to listen to music. So I'm going to, I'm going to see the show. It may take a little while to get in. And the, the place I'm going to see it, uh, Union Transfer in Philly, has said, like, they put out a statement basically saying, like, it's our first time doing it, and it might take a little while to get everybody in, and we're going to run through a system, and we're going to see how that works, and whatever didn't work, we're not going to do again, and whatever does work, we'll work doubly to work that way. I have a feeling that that's the way it's going to be. The AEW show, we'll talk about a little bit later about AEW, but AEW show um, in New York has, New York has stated that if you're going to the show, you have to be vaccinated. They're not even saying PCR test. They're like, you must be vaccinated to go to the show. Cool. Yeah. Welcome to the free market economy. Right. You, every private business can call their own shots, and you decide what you want to do. That's how it works. Yep. I love it. Fuck. I don't understand how there's so many hot takes on all this shit. I've talked about this before, but it's just like. It's really great. stupid. That should like, be fun, though. Yeah. If you don't want to have fun, stay home. Sorry. If you want to have fun, go get the fucking stab, man. Get it. Fucking stupid. Like those people, the, there was a lot of those videos coming out that was like, we're confused about if Trader Joe's was a government entity or not. And it's like, you can't tell me to wear a mask. It's like Trader Joe's can tell you, tell you that they don't you want. want anyone in who's not wearing pink shoes. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. Company. <laughs> All the pink shoes people won't go in anymore. If they see it as it's not a profit loss situation where the loss outweighs the profit, then they don't give a fuck. That's called business. Deal with it. And now we're going to talk. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Japan's interesting, though, because it's like they I think there's some different perspective over there. And uh, it seems like a little bit of frustration boiling over within the public from what I hear from you, and especially with the Olympics thing. And I can only imagine it. No one has ever hosted an Olympics and made money. I'm, I can only imagine how much of a disaster it is for the people that live in that city, construction-wise, uh, traffic-wise, everything else going, everything else going on around that. And then they're going to tell them that they can't go to the bar. So yeah, that's just an insane yeah. situation. That's this weird thing with uh, modern sports. And you know, I listened to this whole thing on NPR recently. We're going completely off topic, but it doesn't make a difference. Um, but they were talking about the modern Olympics and when the Olympics became a money-making money machine and also where most of the monetary responsibility falls on the nation that hosts. But it became a, a vehicle for c- countries that aren't necessarily shined upon, like being like, hey, look at me, this is a great country. Russia, China, Brazil. Where they do this thing, they call it sports washing. Instead of whitewashing, they call it sports washing. So it's like, oh, look at how great our country is. Look at the sports that we're watching. Instead of, look at all these poor people with AIDS that we're not treating in in Brazil or China, which has its own fucking racial and segregation problems. And Russia is a fucking nuthouse. And Japan has its own racial issues. And it has issues with the Fukushima uh, mishandling of of the disaster there. 
So it's like these people just start like, yeah, let's bring it here because everybody will forget how terrible of a country we are because sports. Good time. I'm so disenfranchised, man. This is why I watch wrestling in the in the first place because yes, it's all let's, so fucked up. You could let's get away from the seriousness. And on that note, let's 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 talk back about wrestling. It's something fun. <laughs> all right, so let me just real quick go over the uh, in Japan the tournament season. So they're still doing wrestling shows. <laughs> there's no there's no sta- there's nobody in the stadiums in the Olympics, but they're still doing wrestling shows with like quarter filled stadiums. So real quick, the tournament season started. Um, we're not getting to G1 yet. G1 doesn't start until I believe September. We get a couple more shows in New Japan before they announce the lineup for um, G1. September October. Um, so TJPW Tokyo Joshi Pro, um, their Princess Cup is happening. So your final four. Right now is Mio Watanabe, who's like sporty girl, baseball girl. She's like one of the young stars of this company. Mizuki, who you've seen before, she does that spinning thing that everybody loves, the whirling candy. If you think Riho is small, you've never seen Mizuki. That girl is tiny. Shogun Nakajima, who has been in AEW. I mentioned these, these girls because they've been in AEW before. Shogun Nakajima, who is the kaiju. She dresses like a monster. She's involved. And Maki Ito is in the final four. I think it's a first for her, and we know how big she is in the United States. She suffered a fractured orbital bone in the last match, and man, she got a shiner real quick. It was catching somebody that was they were doing a plancha to the outside, and she caught one. Uh, she should be okay for the according to uh, damn yeah TJPW's uh, English account. They said she should she's skipping the next show and she should be okay for the semifinals. So this is fun. This is the coolest thing about um. Tournaments and you know WWE doesn't really do them, and I don't I don't even think uh, AW does them. The coolest thing about it, these tournaments, Japan in particular, hold a lot of tournaments. AEW did do the women's tournament. They did do the women's tournament, but you set up you set up these feuds for later on. So like you have these early losses. So the champion for TJPW is uh, uh, Mayo um, Yamashita, and she lost to Mizuki. So even if Mizuki doesn't win this tournament, she could still fight. She could still fight fucking for the title because she beat her before. So you set up these little, little losses along the way. It tells a little bit of a story without saying like, you know, your American storyline where it's like, oh, you cheated on this person or you screwed this person over. You could just go like, competitive sports. I beat you before. It's time for you to face me for the title, and it all makes sense. You know what I mean? Thoughts, Brandon? Yeah, and. It's an excellent. I don't. You said a little bit of a story. I think it's an excellent way to tell a story. Um, I, if you listen to the podcast, you know I watch a lot of mixed martial arts, and we were, we were talking about our vacation earlier. It was a. It's two separate vacations, but I, we watch a UFC pay per view as a family on my vacation, and I am pretty familiar with all. A little subtle plot lines in the booking of the matches based off of this guy fought this guy. He fights this way. It's interesting to see someone who fights this way because it'll prove if he's really that good at what he's doing, if he's all around or not. It's not that hard to do. And I had 10 plus people consumed by what was going on with two strangers that they'd never seen before because these things happen organically if you just let them happen. Now, I like crazy wrestling stories. I'm all there for the, the crazy shit. The We just talked about the Wyatt family earlier. That's even better. If you can pull that off in pro wrestling, I'm I'm there for it. But let these things come to themselves. The tournament style is inherently built to tell long-term stories all over the place. So 
Can't go wrong there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Mizuki beat um, uh, uh, Yamashita like clean. She beat her with a bridging suplex that she does, like a Northern Light suplex, and she beat her clean. Like it wasn't like a roll up or anything like that. So it's like, you know, this is a legitimate claim to the title. She beat the beast. She call, actually called her the monster in the promo afterwards. I beat the monster. So coming down the line, I don't see her winning. Shoko Nakajima has won this before. The big show coming have up. Have I seen her? Shoko Nakajima? You might have seen her on AEW. She did a couple of AEW shows before they were an actual fed. She did like uh, All In and All Out, I think. If All Out's even. Oh, the she wears the, the. uh. She wears like f- fur and a the- tail. Yeah. yeah. She's really good. She's very Lucha Libre. Her style is very Lucha Libre, which is cool. Um, but coming out of this, the big show for DDT is Peter Pan, which we've talked about before. They're going to have a death match at the beginning. Now, Maki Ito is in that death match. So I don't think Maki Ito is going to win this just because she's committed to the death match. So I, they like to put people that can work in their big matches, like these big showcase shows like the Peter Pan, where like a lot of people that have never watched women's wrestling will watch it. I think Mizuki's the one that wins this because her versus uh, Maya Yamashita would be a fucking amazing match. And by the way, Broken Orbital is horrific. I don't know how she's doing a death match. All of a sudden when your eyeballs is not setting in the skull structure that it's meant to set in, that's... Mm -hmm. Fractured, (laughs) not broken, fractured. Freak most people out but yeah she was immediately her face swelled up like one half of her face swelled up and after the match was over she barely did anything she just ran to the back waved to the crowd and then ran you could tell she was running to ice and going to a doctor because her face was good uh also the uh stardom five-star grand prix started but it's only on uh, pay-per-view so i haven't seen any of it i've seen some of the results i'm not gonna spoil them here the thing with stardom is that they put it on pay-per-view and then they wait till the pay-per-view cycle ends which is usually seven days so tomorrow when i wake up it'll probably be available on on paper on their uh stardom world but that's what we got going on g1's coming up we got these two going on i love tournament season it's fun it builds stories till the end of the year one thing i did want to mention briefly is i i was not aware of stardom until jimmy got me into it so i have one connection to that world and then the internet and uh given how bad wwe has been and how AEW has showcased uh, some of these women. They've, they I haven't showcased. They haven't had anybody from Stardom. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, but no, uh, the TJPW, TJPW, but it, but um, I the Japanese the the Joshi wrestling Joshi scene, scene has Go been ahead. has yeah. been showcased in AEW. Um, I was seeing online a lot of people were skipping WWE events lately to go and watch stardom and getting into that world which i think is a a net positive and that there's still still the same level of people out there that are trying to consume wrestling right and they're just shifting into a different thing which is something that we're interested in so i was like oh that's actually pretty cool that makes sense because you know when we had the made up uh wednesday wrestling war between nxt and aw it was kind of shifting between those two there's only so many wrestling fans they're never growing their audience. And these companies are fighting over the same fan base. So what you'll get is people shifting. Like, you're sick of WWE. Like, I don't even fucking I don't even think about WWE. Unless it pops up in my Twitter feed. I don't think about WWE. 
know what I mean? Like it's it, it, some people must be fucking fed up with it as well, and they're like, "Oh, I saw a gif from this one company, or I saw that this crazy ass shit, this one move happened where this girl looked like she got her head cut off." And then they were like, "Oh, let me check this out." Whether it's whether I mean, I hope it's not pirating. Don't pirate. But um, nah, you know, whatever you're watching, like you might be like, "Oh shit, this is pretty cool. Let me watch some more." That's how I got into it, and we're about to talk about how I got into it. So, shall we move on? Let's move on. All right, let's move on to our retro. So this week, actually two weeks ago, there was a lot of talk because uh, Charlotte put in a very good performance against uh, Rhea Ripley. And, of course, the Internet is recency bias. The Internet was going crazy. Saying, uh, Charlotte Flair is the greatest women's wrestler in the history of the world. Greatest professional, women's professional wrestler ever created in history. And my man, MVP, came out and he said, you're wrong. It's Manami Toyota. There's no argument. So I said, you know what? Let's go with this. So I don't even remember which which match it was. (laughs) Hold on. Let me find the match. So I went with Manami Toyota versus Kyoko Inoue. From May 7th of 1995. It's a unification match between Manami Toyota, Kyoko Inoue. Now, Brandon, I gotta ask you. When you first put this on, you started watching it. Were you spoiled that it was gonna be 60 minutes long? Oh my god, man. I'm glad you brought it up. I have to admit, dude, this was a tale of, uh, two, two mindsets, two, and two viewings. <laughs> Uh, to watch wrestling and work a full-time corporate job, I have to downshift from sixth gear to first gear very quickly. Like, okay, now we're just going to consume this content. And I, about three o'clock today, I'm like, let me check this match out, make sure it's not like 40 minutes long. <laughs> I should have given you a heads up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, let me just make sure it's not like one of those like 40-minute matches. I pull up the link that Jimmy sent, and it's the video is 75 minutes, and I was blind fury. I was just like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" It's like, it's like join, it's like joining a book club, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna do War and Peace." And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> come the fuck on, man!" Uh, I know, I, I, no. I was, dude, I was legit like thinking in my head, like, should I warn them or shouldn't I warn them? And we'll see what happens. <laughs> Were you able to watch the entire thing, though? So, to continue on, I I put it on in the background, and I'm like, okay, I'll get through this. I get through plenty of hours of wrestling, and what I do is I just do other stuff, physical stuff. I wash dishes, turn the volume up, clean up around my area, blah, blah, blah. That's what I did. And probably about 40 minutes in, I'm, you know, keep finding myself looking back at it and stuff. And then I'm like, hey. I I stood there for about 10 minutes watching, probably the 40 to the 55th minute, call 15 minutes. Then I ended up skipping back again. I actually sat down and and you know largely consumed it because it it does for as insanely long of a match as it is does breeze by. Now first of all, there's no amount of drop kicks that anyone can do that are interesting for 60 straight minutes. <laughs> no one should ever do that. Don't do that. It's not a good idea. But they did do it. It was good. It was a good match, and I, I did enjoy it. So, go ahead. 
Would it upset you that this is by many considered to be one of the greatest professional wrestling matches of all time? Forget about men or women. No, it wouldn't upset me at all. I've watched the 60-minute Iron Man match with Bret Hart in it. That was I, I was definitely worse than this. So <laughs> it's not that it's not uh, it's not that the match was anything wrong with the match. It's just that the fucking obnoxious amount of time that they take up going back and forth. Just with someone that has other things to do, you're like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but if you have the time to to do this. And you're a wrestling fan, do it. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So, little background on this, just my personal background on this. So, at the time, it was 1995. WWE fucking sucked. It was terrible. WCW wasn't much better. But you started getting guys in like Jushin Thunder Liger, guys like that, 94, 95. And I was friends with a guy that was a tape trader. One of the bigger tape traders, and well, probably the biggest tape trader on the East Coast. Not a friend of mine anymore, if you can figure out who he is. But we did backyard wrestling together and trained and everything like that together. But um, he used to give me these tapes. And now, looking back in retrospect, they were you know, five-star matches by Meltzer tapes that I was getting for all these years. And you know, I'd seen All Japan Pro Wrestling before. I'd seen it with you know, Bull Nakano. And um, and Aja Kong. But I'll tell you right now, the first time I saw Manami Toyota and she takes that coat off and she's wearing the all black and it looks almost like bondage gear like the, with the, the sparkles and all the shit on it. And she's got the jet black long hair. That was the moment I was like, holy shit, who the fuck is this? Okay, now we're talking. Like, now I'm interested. Horny 18-year-old, 19-year-old. I'm like, this is, fuck yeah, this is for me. And then you see her in the actual ring, and you're like, holy shit. First of all, how can this woman take a beating like this? Also, her flexibility is absolutely insane, and some of the shit she does to this day can't be duplicated or attempt to be duplicated. People attempt to do it. Maybe in Mexico they do it. Nobody can pull off the shit that she could do. It's fucking amazing. This match in particular was one of these stories where it's like, it starts off where Kyoko, first of all, Kyoko Inoue, who is like, Let's not pretend she's obviously Ultimate Warrior Lady. That's who she is. She's the Ultimate Warrior. She even shakes the ropes. She comes out. She's full of tassels. The fans immediately get behind her. They start chanting her name. And Manami Toyota, if you're watching the vid, you know, you're watching it. Manami Toyota starts looking around like, oh, shit, they're rooting for her. I'm the bad guy in this one. So she starts to play that up a little bit. Where she's not beckoning to the crowd, which she would always do every time she did a move. She would go, Igozo, and stick her arm up, and the crowd would go, yay, congratulations. She just starts attacking her at first, going after her, but she starts losing. She starts falling behind. Kyoko Inoue is getting the upper hand. And then eventually she hits that fucking drop kick that nails her. Then she gets, then, uh, Inoue gets wrapped up in the ropes. She does a running drop kick to the, to her back with her leg trapped in the rope where she goes, <laughs> fucking crazy, man. I, I still, like, watching this match, and I, I'll, I'll give it to you, like, it, at times you kind of zone out, because it is an hour long, this fucking thing. It's, you just, like, there's a building, there's a spot in the match where Manami Toyota's trying to do, like, a Frankensteiner, so basically she's got Kyoko Inoue on the top rope. She goes to, like, put her legs around her head and then do, like, a flipping thing, like a Frankensteiner, and she slips. They both slip. 
But instead of like trying to do it again or acknowledge that it was like a screw up, they played into the storyline where now from this moment on, both wrestlers are so exhausted they can't keep going. They're constantly like falling over and gassed. Oh, fuck this fucking I watching this back, fuck man, this is still a great match. Brandon, thoughts. Yeah, and you know, don't get me wrong, if you're booking a wrestling show, never do this. I I, I don't want to watch a sixty minute match ever again. Especially a time limit draw. Right. Not that I care, but um uh, when you when I see the videos this long you're thinking about the pacing. And they pretty much kept the same pace the whole time, which I think is awesome. That they, I don't know if it was just pure heart or they knew what they were capable of, but they, it didn't clearly drag as far as what they were capable of doing at any point. Jimmy referenced there was like one bod spot in the middle off the top rope. But even after that, there's like, Manami Toyota's doing a, like a moon, moonsault face plant and finally. Anyway, moves out of the way, and Toyota just lands on her face, like into the match, like exhausting, <laughs> just exhaust, like just the technical scale exhausting shit. To just be like, hey, by the way, I've been wrestling for 35 minutes. Can you just go ahead and flip onto your face just to show that this person's learning your move set over this, this grueling match? And she just nails all of these things and the drop kicks all over the place, and she never lays off. The biggest thing that stood out to me with this, though, is the Japanese crowd going absolutely nuts. When is that? Like, you very rarely hear them that raucous. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore, really. I mean, they still do it, but maybe we're just missing it because of COVID. Yeah, those those mid-90s, fucking early 90s, mid-90s, All Japan. Like, this this company, All Japan um, Women, was at the time, was the biggest. It was had like a two-year period, and according to the Meltzer, and you know, you say what you want about the Meltz, he does know his history when it comes to like later 80s, early 90s. You know, he says it, it's like they had bigger crowds than everybody else. You look at that, that's that's fucking Cork and Hall they're in. That shit is packed. That shit is packed to the gills. They're up in the upper deck. Like, that place is fucking packed. And the front row, there's like, and I kept seeing it, depending on, because they had two camera angles. So there was a camera angle from, like, the north side and the south side. It's like opposing camera angles. And one of the camera angles, there was three or four girls in the front row, probably, like, in their 20s. You could, I mean, from the hazy video, you can't really tell. But you see them, and they're, like, completely committed to Kyoko in a way winning. Kyoko! Kyoko! Like, freaking out for every kick out and everything. Very cool. Very fucking cool. And and refresh my memory. How does it end? She's pulling her off of the top rope. She, I think she's giving her to the Frankensteiner again, right? And then they ring the bell and she falls off. She's but Kyoko is stuck in that. Kyoko's stuck in the in the ropes. So they work. I don't know if it's a work injury or not, but they work that she hurt her leg. Because she, if you watch the entire video, which I'm sure you stopped after the match was over. She walks to the back and does an interview. I did, I did. I yeah, Kyoko Inoue goes to the back and does an interview. And um, Asha Kong comes out and challenges Minami Toyota. Minami Toyota is too exhausted to even respond to her. So, yeah. It was, it was very fucking cool. Very simple storyline. Very good. I just mentioned that because I thought it was a cool touch. And it's like, if you're going to do this thing, which I don't, again, don't do it. Um, 
I thought it was a cool touch that even at the 60 minutes, it's still like in the heat of a spot that the bell rings. Right. Like, uh, these people are just real, like killing each other relentlessly. And the like, people, okay. the people in the, the crowd, the people in the crowd, like you can tell. At the same time you're watching at home, they start to get a little. There's a little lull. There's a couple of submission moves. Kyoko puts her her finisher in, which is kind of like a Romero special with a crossface, and she's holding it in. Minami Toyota won't give up. But like, Minami Toyota just like picks up the pace real fast. Kyoko anyway did too, but Minami Toyota at one point hits three moonsaults in a row and can't get the pinfall. When you saw shit like that, you're just like, all right, this this is <laughs> nobody's winning this fucking thing. That's my that's the other side, and that's what I. If you're watching it live, it could be different, but seeing that the video goes 75 minutes, you get and people are just doing like triple moonsaults yes. and getting kicked out. You're just like. Mm. As soon as you know the, the the video is a hundred and you know an hour and fifteen minutes, you're like, Jesus Christ! Does anybody win this fucking thing? Unless they win in the last second, which doesn't happen all of. Cool match. I'm glad I got to pick. It was fun. Brandon, what do you got for next week? Yeah. So referencing what we were talking about earlier with Bray Wyatt and uh, how much fun we had with with Paul Orndorff. Not as funny, but I was I spent a decent amount of time just watching Bray Wyatt's matches and, and promos. And I thoroughly enjoyed this eight minute, 15 second video that WWE posted on YouTube. And it's called an eerie glimpse into Bray Wyatt's world from July 15th, 2015. And I think we should check that out. Uh, it's just in a sit down interview with Michael Cole, who usually is, is pretty stiff. And I think that they, Bray Wyatt really gets more out of him than most people do. And just seeing that it's eight straight minutes of him relentlessly going at Roman Reigns, building up to their match. I think it was at Extreme Rules, maybe SummerSlam. Uh, I, I did not look that piece of it up, but uh, I think it's a, a pretty good promo. And I, I bring it up just because it's something that I love about wrestling. And it's definitely disappointing that they couldn't figure something out with this guy wish that they never left this character so we'll watch that come back next week get our thoughts is this on um peacock or are we doing on youtube so it's on you just go on youtube it's on youtube an, an, e- an eerie glimpse into bray wyatt's world July 15th, an eerie glimpse into bray wyatt's world on youtube check it grimps. out grimps a peasy grimps sleazy glimpse Let's do some more Bray Wyatt. Excellent. All right, next up, AEW. Now, I'll be the first to admit, Brandon, we talked about this for weeks before uh, crowds showed up at AEW shows. I will admit I'm wrong. AEW is by far the most entertaining fucking product on television. It may not be a good thing all the time, but it is definitely entertaining. It's a fucking shit show. Thoughts? Yeah, I experience this all of the time in my professional life. Um, People or organizations that are sprinting in a direction make other people move and bring everyone up or force people's hands. Uh, I'm sometimes question if AEW is sprinting in the right direction uh 
but they're fucking sprinting somewhere and it is by far the most interesting thing going on in wrestling and i've got to admit when we started this podcast it was december of 2020 and there's no fans and i'm going boy this is a challenging time to come up with stuff to talk about with wrestling every week we were and miserable this- we were fucking miserable we picked, the worst, we picked the worst time to start doing a wrestling podcast. It was tough. Watch. I think it, I think it's good f- for the group of us because we got to practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody but liked wrestling the, back then, so this was the first time out. to. This was the first time where I was like, okay, there's some shit happening here. Where I'm glad that I ha- am involved in discussing this scene. So. All right, we'll go through some things. We're not going to do a play-by-play like we usually do. As a matter of fact, I don't think we should do a play-by-play anymore. I think it's much easier to do it this way. So AEW announced a Chicago show, and there's a show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. The show at Arthur, the Arthur Ashe Stadium is pretty cool looking. Yeah, It's pretty impressive that no one has thought to use a tennis stadium with the mat in the middle of the fucking tennis court. Like they're going to do here. This is going to be a pretty cool show. My point for bringing this up is that these shows went on sale and like two thirds of the tickets are already on the secondary market. <laughs> Brandon thought. Yeah, I've seen con like I've seen bands do this at these places. So I was aware that these places could be venues. I like the, the creativity to book a wrestling show there, especially because the ring exists in the middle as jimmy referenced but um yeah i i went to an aew show for three dollars so i'm definitely going to hold out on on whatever the perceived scalping market is and and we'll find out how big of a, a live fan base they're going to get especially arthur ash is like 20 something thousand 23,000 people so right. jimmy jimmy uh was poning some scalpers on the internet today so i was see what was going ups. on Getting get, getting some getting some prices. I called my man Vinny down on Fifth Street. He can't get me anything for underneath you know three hundred fifty dollar. Mm. <laughs> so uh, not a great look for AW, especially especially their fan base. <laughs> if bots are buying everything up, but what are you gonna do? That's uh, when you're the hot ticket in town, bro. That's what happens. We have our tickets for Dynamite though. We are definitely going. I believe it's October sixth. Are you stoked on this? Have we talked about this on the on the pod? I'm looking at you and I'm like, are we the suckers that actually bought the tickets and didn't wait till the scalpers drove them down? But nah, they were starting to they were starting to run out of tickets. That's why I grabbed them. All right. No, yeah, it should be fun, man. I mean, I, we're forced to talk about it, and we haven't gone to a show in two years at this point, just about. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I I would say I am stoked if we can get get Chris across the bridge, get him going. I'll be boozing. Chris won't be boozing. Jimmy might be boozing. We'll oh, I'll see definitely what be boozing. If I can take an Uber home, I'm getting boozed. <laughs> I'm getting boozed right now. <laughs> uh, some news. Uh, so Emmy Sakura, you remember her from the um, tournament? I do remember her from the tournament. She has scored a one-way ticket to the United States. So I'm assuming as working and also training with these people that cannot work in AEW because I watched you AW. Think that's what that is? I think so. I, I watched AEW Dark Elevation, and boy, it fucking stinks. 
There ain't there ain't thirty minutes that goes by without a botch. This is like shit that like should not be seen by the public. I get that they have a show that they're trying to get as much product on as quickly as possible. But man, fucking it looks dangerous as shit in that ring. I would not <laughs> want to be in it. So much so that Yuka Sakazaki, she shows up on the main roster what three weeks ago, four weeks ago. She has a match against um I forget who she wrestled against. Oh, um um the Philly girl. She's married to the other the British guy. What the fuck's her name? She does the split skis. Anyway, um, she wrestled her and uh, fucking the Philly girl looked like shit. Man. <laughs> she made Yuka look terrible. And then I watched a match where she went against this giant redhead girl, and that girl could not work at all and almost killed fucking Yuka Sakazaki. And now Yuka Sakazaki's back in Japan. Like, you think they're going to keep, you think DDT and TJPW are going to keep sending people over if they're stuck on fucking elevation? Brandon, thoughts on this? Thoughts on all of this? Emmy Sakura, all this. Yeah. Well, I was, I was looking at you for Emmy Sakura thoughts. I was curious about that. I have no idea why she would uh, do that, except for the fact that Japan is just a disaster to have any sort of entertainment career. I have a question for you, though. Yeah, good. Would you, ra- would you rather backflip off of the top rope and have the Jurassic Express try to catch you or have Nick, Nick Gage... Uh, stab you with an ice pick in the forehead that a la Chris Jericho. Or right. was it an ice pick that he used? At his own discretion. I don't. I don't know what was it. it was some kind of some, some kind of some, some device. jaded device, uh, jagged device. Um, now nah, I'll take my own chances with the Jurassic Express. <laughs> They're not going to catch me, <laughs> but at least maybe I'll land on my own feet. No, I don't trust uh, <laughs> one of the Gage brothers, the Cage Gage brothers on AEW. There. <laughs> yeah. Emmy Sager is a big deal. She's going to go over there and teach these girls how to fucking work. I started watching her. She does interviews with wrestlers. And it's in Japanese, but Balianaki, he translated. I might have talked about it on the show, but it's fucking... She is so fucking smart about wrestling. And some of the shit she says, you're like, oh, shit. Okay. That makes sense. She works a little like storyline-based and reality into it. Like she was before the big um, uh, stardom anniversary show. She did an interview with uh, Nanae Takahashi, and they were talking about Momo Watanabe, who is one of these wrestlers in stardom that's spectacular wrestler, but she kind of misses on some things. Her promos aren't great, everything like that. And she just was like, you know, one of the things she said, and she was talking to Nanae, who's a veteran and worked in stardom and everything, and she, Emi Sakura, is like. One of the things that she doesn't do is she talks like a wrestler supposed to talk, and she doesn't talk like a real person. And to make yourself believable, storyline-wise, you have to talk like a real person. And when I heard that, and to hear that, like, you listen to podcasts in the United States, which are obviously in English, and then to watch Emi Sakura say the same thing, and you're like, this woman's, she's up there with the people that are fucking smart in professional wrestling. She needs to be training people in the U.S. She trained Riho. She trained, like, all these people in Japan. I mean, she was one of the big trainers in Ice Raven, which is one of my favorite companies over in Japan. Get over to the United States and get to work. Like, she could probably make a lot of money here training people. Just on on the storyline aspect, I hate using that term psychology. I hate using wrestling psychology. It's such a fucking stupid term. Teaching people how to act. Acting in professional wrestling. Like, if she, 
I think she she should be here doing that. She could make a lot of money and make a lot of people very popular. Thoughts? Yeah, that's a good point. Let's not act like wrestling is um some uh, higher level of performance art than all of the other the uh, the other trades that have to learn the exact same things. But right, it's the same thing as I, like getting on the tight tight rope and walking across and pretending you're going to fall. We don't say like tight rope psychology. No, it's just working the crowd and making people think <laughs> yeah. that's real. Like, ooh, the psychology of of you know doing a backflip, you know, in a in a fucking circus. <laughs> I mean, like being in a cage with a tiger. Oh, it looks dangerous. What psychology? Fuck off. The the Ringling Brothers aren't putting in, out any psych textbooks. But right. you, it is harder to do than you would think, and you need professionals to walk you through that. So, yes. um, I see it as an encouraging development. If it is with AEW, an encouraging development for the AEW women's division, which um, which we're going to build up to. Obviously, the news that everyone's probably aware of at this point, if they're checking this out. Uh, it's a lot of men's shit. A lot of, as Jimmy says, a lot of dudes. So, uh, whole bunch I'm, of dudes. I'm, I'm encouraged that this is happening because it's they have a lot of talent over there. We live later, hey. <laughs> but it's strong. Uh, Chris, Chris has got to be here to do it. He's not here. <laughs> She's got strong legs, but uh, hopefully Emmy teaches her what to do with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I never thought would come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna teach a woman how to what to do with her legs. Teach her um, what to do with her legs. All right, so let's see. Which one of these hot topics should I pick up first? You got any on the top of your mind that you want to talk about first? Uh, real quickly, I guess they they signed Thunder Rosa for yes, Leona. of course. So. Fuck, I forgot her. As we're t- discussing the AEW Women's Division, that's great. Uh, I was somewhat nervous about that just because after that Britt Baker match, they kind of just she just pieced the fuck out of the storyline. Um, but she's she's there for real now, which is the best move for her and the best move for all of us. So yeah, Thunder Rosa is. I mean, she's not the same level as Emi Sakura, but Emi Sakura has her own school in Japan. She moved across. She's coming to the United States. Her school is still going. Choco Pro is still happening. She's got she her acolytes are going to be doing the work. Now, Thunder Rosa is doing the same thing. She's got a company called Mission, I believe it is, based out of Texas. She trusts her trainees to run the school. She's going to come to AEW now and officially signs full-time, which is huge. This is two people that need to, this fucking, forget about women's division. Men need these people in the fucking, they need somebody to teach these children how to fucking wrestle. Because a lot of times these people are fresh out of friggin' You know, like, I went to a six-week camp, and now I'm a wrestler. Like, these people are, like, super green and super screw up a lot of times. And after watching AEW Dark, it's fucking terrifying, and I'm worried somebody's going to get hurt. Speaking of which, Britt Baker, <laughs> Britt Baker got hurt. She got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your champ. Got hurt again. Now she's wrestling with a fucking arm brace. Like, what? What the fuck is going on? Now they got some pros in there, so hopefully it'll work out. What else you got? I would like to see on the Britt Baker thing, this again, like a mixed martial arts thing. You could do interim, do whatever you want. Don't have somebody out there with the fucking brace on. Just move on. Clearly, she needs the work. That's It boiled up to that point where she actually got hurt uh, on camera. So let's do something else with this. But 
And I what else? I I sent you that video, that compilation video from uh, that one Twitter account where they oh, compiled dude, they they compiled so much shit. Like how many times people have gotten hurt? And Britt Baker's like fucking ninety percent of the video. Where she's Check just getting, that out. It's called AEW botches, I believe. I think it's underscore botches, and it's just if if you for some reason listen to this and disagree with us, I think this is kind of what we're trying to say. These, this account on Twitter does a good job of compiling all of the stuff that should lead to major injury, but it's Lee Johnson who's a freak athlete and can right. just flip out and land on his feet and not blow both of his ACLs, but right. will at some point if he keeps doing it that way. Like the one, the one bump that Yuka Sakazaki took, where she just like was—I don't know what the fuck was supposed to happen—but she took a huge like, crashed on the outside of the ring. It's like, man, I'm coming to fucking from Japan for this. The fuck am I like? I'd, I'd be calling home. <laughs> I'd be like, Dino, take me back. I don't fucking want to deal with this bullshit. I'm sure she did because I uh, Yuka Sakazaki. I have—I don't know very much about her, but I guarantee you, she's not wealthy. So she's living this, the day-to-day stress as a professional wrestler that I can't even imagine. I And when you show up and do that and almost get injured and just sneak out by the skin of your teeth, you probably get back to your hotel and you're like, yo, I don't think this is fucking worth it right now, right? Right. And I would imagine Yuka Sakazaki is one of these people in uh, TJPW where she's been there for so long that she is part of the training process. And then she goes over there, and she's got to, like, kind of work the training process. She doesn't speak the language, and then she's got to work with a fucking dud that on a TV show that's on fucking YouTube that nobody's going to fucking see and then possibly risk serious injury. I wouldn't be surprised if she was like, get me the fuck out of here. Tagagi, get me out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) Which training process? Training? I don't know. I, it, yeah, what is it? I don't know what the AEW. I thought it was on YouTube. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. All right, let's move on. So, uh, Mox versus the Murder Hawk. This match fucking ruled, Brandon. It did. Jimmy Jimmy summed it up. It ruled. Um, it's for the IWGP US title. We get Lance Archer and John Moxley, a couple guys that have wrestled in New Japan before and have a lot of respect for the belt. And while they're still announcing Lance Archer, John Moxley just starts beating the shit out of them. They go all over the place. Make sure to make an event of it. And it's, and it's two guys, particularly John Moxley, that you know aren't going to like botch a spot like this. Really lives up to it. Um, they're going all over the place. At one point, Lance Archer like, uses a fan as a weapon. I thought that was pretty funny. That's I don't cool. know for stage it is. Something, <laughs> something new to me. Moxley's just taking ferocious bumps, getting dropped onto the uh, backrest of two steel chairs, which you don't you don't see that <laughs> for for good reason. But he he seems to have no shame in doing it, even at his age and uh, his status, which you gotta love. But uh, he gets out the the classic tabletop with that someone has rigged up with the barbed wire reels. <laughs> And uh, gets reversed and put through it. And I thought it was a cool, it's a count out. You can't win by pinfall. You got to count the guy out. And Moxie just gets buried in the barbed wire, can't get out. And Lance Archer's your new IWGP, Jesus Christ, U.S. champion. Yes, uh, Moxley does not look bad in this because he didn't get pinned. This is great. This is a good. It's going on. I'm curious. Well, uh, anyway, so 
going forward the next week, Hiroshi Tanahashi, fucking legend, challenges on AEW TV for the IWGP U.S. heavyweight title at their show in California, New Japan's show. So it's Murderhawk versus Tanahashi. I'm assuming, right? Do we get a rematch or anything like that? Did I miss anything? This is a big fucking deal. Tanahashi on US TV on AEW. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, you didn't miss anything. Archer defends it this past week against Hikuleo. We get a little Haku sighting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fucking Haku was on TV. And uh, when you talk about the forbidden door, the apex of that in my mind is do we get to see Hiroshi Tanahashi somehow on AEW? We do, not in the most thrilling of ways, but he's there. And I was still like, oh, holy shit, look at that. I'm watching TNT and Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's It's crazy. (laughs) My mind's blown. That's the most most U.S. press he's ever gotten. Really? He was on TNA, right? Yeah, TNA. TNA wasn't. I don't know. I guess TNA was pretty big back then. Oh. No, I think this is seriously like the biggest main 1.5 million people watch this show so yeah i i it definitely is i don't know i don't know at that point in tna history how popular it was because again i i picked up my hiroshi tanahashi knowledge after tna existed but uh yeah he's coming over i wish it was on AEW. it could be on AEW. it sounds like they're gonna have him and lance archer on a uh new japan show which they're doing in los angeles so there's a possibility he'll be on TV. Depends on when he comes over. So, I mean, I could go and research and take a look at the New Japan um, listing. Are you upset at all while you look that up that it it's not Moxley versus Tanahashi and that it's Archer versus Tanahashi? Are you down with that? No, I think we'll get Moxley versus Tanahashi eventually. Let's see what let's see what the schedule looks like. Okay. The movie Godzilla vs. Kong presents Summer Struggle 2021. This is July 27th. I'll give you the match lineup. Hold on. Looking for Tana, looking for Tana, looking for Tana. Don't see Tana. No Tana Hashi on the show. I'll tell you why I'm not. I'll tell you why I'm not real quickly. Wait, is that July? Oh, August 7th. Okay, go ahead. Later in that show, Moxley, who's like in the locker room, I guess drinking a fifth with this with his awesome buzz cut that he has now, challenges Tanahashi regardless of the circumstances. So I have a feeling Archer's gonna go over to New Japan, hand it over to Tanahashi. Yeah. And then you'll see a, a Moxley versus Tana on AEW Dynamite one of these Wednesdays, which <laughs> I'm pretty excited for, man. Like yeah. you talk about things to get excited for in wrestling. Okay, so Tanahashi is not on this tour. So he'll be in the United States, I'm assuming. Okay, this is exciting. Now I'm excited. I've seen Tanahashi wrestle thousands of times. I'm completely rejuvenated, like as if I've never seen him before. (laughs) I'm excited. Tanahashi's one of the best fucking wrestlers on the planet in history. I fucking love him. I would kiss his fucking face if he let me. I'm stoked. How about the Elite wearing the Space uh, Jam gear? And coming to the ring against the New Order. Apparently reports are that they paid $50,000 for the rights to the Space Jam song. Oh, they did? I was going to bring that up. I was like, wow, they actually got the real Space Jam theme. And I've talked before about how I love Tony Khan. 
cutting. I think I fucking said this to you. I was like, when Orange Cassidy came out to the Pixies, where is my mind? I was like, I guarantee that the rest of those guys are storming his office going, oh, you're going to cut a check like that? Well, give me space I, I want to use this song. I want space jam. this song. <laughs> and this was the best that these unfunny adult males came up with. <laughs> but, uh, 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 what'd you think about this? People liked it. I they don't, loved it. I, I, I was confused for one. Um, also they had the, uh, net set up and they were like, you know, the net was set at like, I don't know, six feet and they were like doing dunks and layups. And then when it came down to it and they had to do a Meltzer driver, threw it and dunk on the way down he missed it like man how many times you practice this shit not at all obviously go ahead this is probably the thing that i have the hardest time talking about because it reminds me almost of seeing a comedian that's really famous that i don't think is funny where you're just like looking at the crowd and like like kevin hart is sold out uh, a stadium and then you watch his jokes and it doesn't make you laugh at all but you're like hey i can't hate on the fact that everybody that was there loved this the crowd was into it they were excited gallows has got this the uh bootleg number 69 space jam jersey on everybody's cracking up and i'm like they know their audience and it is working however i just thought it was goofy as hell and i'm disappointed that this is like the apex of this show which seems to be building so also, it's, you know, the Dark Order convince uh, cowboy guy, cowboy shit, to show up and fight Kenny Omega. And in their first collision, it's a big joke match. I thought it was really dumb. I don't know. I thought this whole thing was dumb. I think the elite in general are dumb. That's the biggest thing with the, the top of this card. It's fucking dumb. It's just dumb, 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 unfunny bullshit. For a show that's been like so much fun to watch and like car crashy, they come out with this design thing with the, and it's the worst part. Like I was just like, this is so stupid. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Brandon. I mean, it's not. It's not funny. It's it's. I get I get confused with this weird world that AEW exists in where it's not for kids. Like, no, because they're bleeding all over the place. It's very clearly not for kids, but it's it's like this kind of slapsticky uh, humor that, if you're going to open it up to the adult audience, there is like an in, so much funnier shit that you could be doing, or more interesting shit that you could be doing. This was the, hold on, to cut you off real quick. This was the first match on the show. So if your audience was kids, this is when you're going to hit them. This was it. But I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't... 69 was his number? Huh. That's funny. Where's the 420 joke? Oh, we don't do drugs. Fucking shit was stupid. <laughs> it was fucking stupid. Yeah, like... I- have uh, somebody in a 666 jersey or something if you want to make it. For somebody who's in a 999 jersey. Because right. the other one was because they like Christ. So they did a 999 jersey instead of 666. 
that's what it is. It's, that it's Christian comedy, and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. So it's uh, I... uh, what's his name? Bible Man. Remember that superhero guy? Bible Man. Yeah. That's who it is. <laughs> I can think about that's how many times. That's what it feels like. It's Christian comedy. That's what it's it like, is. Like, oh, it's like inoff- inoffensive. Comedy. Inoffensive Christian comedy. It's like going to see a band. It's like, oh, they're Christian metal. It's like what? Wait, what? When does it get fun? There's no sex, <laughs> drugs, or or the devil. No drugs or murder. Or murder. Yeah. Um, you're not going to talk about. You're not going to talk about the uh, Lord of the Rings because it's it's paganism. What's metal without Lord of the Rings? Take a walk. Anyway, take sorry. a fucking walk, buddy. Yeah, it's it's uh it's. I don't know. It's it's very popular with their crowd, but it's very tough for me to consume and like give a fair opinion of because I'm just watching uh, other guys be not funny, and I'm like, I'm I could do this fucking shit. <laughs> this is. They were like, you know what? We need fifty thousand dollars for the Space Jam song, but we couldn't put fifty thousand dollars into training women not to hurt each other in fucking AW Dark. It reminds me of, like, there's this new thing, I guess, with weddings. I don't know if this has always existed, but I, I wasn't aware of it, where when they're announcing the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, they have to come out and do some kind of, like, gimmick together. Oh, my God. I was at a wedding where they did it for, like, 20 minutes. It was a fucking nightmare. And it's like, he, we're going to, she's going to come out in the suit, and I'm going to come out in the dress. Ha, ha, ha. It's like that's what it feels like. You're like, oh, because because we love them. It's funny, and we're so happy to be here. But it's not fucking funny. It's not actually a good idea. You're just forcing this weird spot where where you have to laugh at it because they created this thing, and you're happy to that you got invited. That's how it feels. I'm never happy I get invited to anything. <laughs> to be honest, I'm more like, yeah, oh you- Christ, I got to be there. God, I'm committed to this. I I've been to um at I've, the wedding I was talking about um they came out and they did a dance routine and worked through the years that they were together with a song from every year it was a fucking nightmare but immediately when it started I looked at my wife and both of us were like oh god I'm so embarrassed for them I'm so this is all so embarrassing That's let's how just it feels. let's just pretend let's just pretend I can't be the only person in that crowd. That feels that way. The same thing with this uh, this fucking Space Jam. Like you're just like, oh, yeah, uh, this is really <laughs> funny. God, when is it over? Oh God, we got 25 more minutes of this. Oh, this is terrible. Also, you know, like uh, the internet was very upset with um, cowboy shit getting pinned. I didn't care about that. It was very telegraphed what was going to happen. That everybody was going to get eliminated from the dark order except for cowboy shit. And he was going to have to knock pretty much everybody out and then get pinned at the end. It makes, it makes cowboy shit look good. He was able to overcome a bunch of guys, but in the end he couldn't do it. I'm not so upset about that. I'm upset about the execution. But my understanding of the rules, they were just cheating the whole time. The elite, which again is just like, if AEW is an adult audience and you're not trying to make us feel stupid, just like you kind of discredit the whole event as if this means something to anyone when there's just blatant cheating throughout by by one of the two sides. So. Mind you, I watched this when I was on vacation with my father-in-law, and I ex- had to explain to him 
what the fuck was going on. And one of the parts of my explanation was, well, they have a YouTube channel, and a lot of times I watch a show every week, and I have no idea what's going on either. So maybe they explained it there, but I'm not about to look it up, which is pretty much what I say every week right. on our podcast. But I had to explain to a you know 63 or 67 year old man why this why why this was so stupid because he thought it was stupid. A man who's never been exposed to this, he thought it was anytime, so stupid. Anytime there's a five foot nine white guy. With a ponytail with a uh, bald spot hiding underneath it, coming out in a basketball jersey and pretending to dunk and looking at his friends like, you think this is going to work? The answer is no. It's no. not going to fucking work Terrible. under any circumstances. It sucks. Right, let's move on from that. Let's, let's. I'm done with that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's Pizza Hut gate time. You ready for this? <laughs> let's fucking do this. Before we even talk about it, let's talk about Jericho's wife. So Jericho's wife decides to start an internet. She's got a me in, I couldn't okay. find this. So Jericho's okay, wife, she decides to, she's on Twitter now. She's never been on Twitter. I don't know what her name is. But as the famous tweet, which gets retweeted all the time, Karen, bunch of numbers, has bad, bad opinions on everything. Her name, we'll call her Janet. We'll call it, you know what we'll call it? Jerichoette. Jerichoette 65302 is going on social media and retweeting anti-vaxxers, uh, liking anti-trans shit. She has the worst fucking opinions. But her people found out that she's Jericho's wife, so now she has well over a thousand followers in her first day. <laughs> like... If Jericho isn't telling his wife to get the f- like, listen, I'm not I'm not one to tell my wife to do anything. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. But if you were going to jeopardize my possibility to make money because you want to be a fucking weird right wing QAnon social justice warrior of the Q, you better get the. I, I would go up and be like, get the fuck off Twitter. Get your fucking delete the shit. I'm the one to pay some fucking bills right here. You get that fucking shit off. Thoughts. I mean, this has kind of been like leaking to this point for a while where Jericho is Chris Jericho on TV and then Chris Jericho has a podcast and he'll have the all of these people on that think like this. Chris it's Irwin. Not, He's Irwin. That's his real last name. Irvine. Chris Irvine. Irvine. will have these people on and, and kind of just go through these things. So it's it's no surprise to us who are, for one reason or another, researched to this point. And I think that I agree with you, and I wish I had a better take, but it's like, I, I don't, they're kind of in this weird point where in their own version of reality, where they're disenfranchised with America, I think Chris is probably just like, you know what, I, her name is Jessica Lockhart, I looked it up, they're married in 2000. So she's, Je- she's like Jessica 1357101111111. I think he's probably, she like the amount of ear beatings that that he's received from Jessica of, of what she wants to say on the internet but doesn't say because she doesn't want to cost them money. They probably had one Grey Goose-fueled conversation <laughs> where he was like, you know what, Jess, go ahead, make the account. Let's do it. We don't need any more money. What's the worst that happens? AEW fires me? I got, they already I got, got, a I got millions. <laughs> I got millions. I can start my own federation just like Drake we still works. Got Fozzie. Yeah, we still got Fozzie. 
We'll, we'll, we'll always get booked at Sturgis. <laughs> There's taco festivals all over the country that 20 people will show up to. That's one thing that I forgot about is that he's kind of, of – he believes the same shit she does. He just doesn't say it all the time. He just brings on people on a stupid podcast that I don't listen to anymore that support his theories. Yeah, right. So that's the logical evolution of this is that he's been – airing out his opinions without many repercussions, without any repercussions, really. She clearly is in lockstep with all of these statements and is just watching the Internet boil without her in it. And then finally, finally, her number gets called in the Royal Rumble and she just comes sprinting the fuck out. It's Jessica 2486721. And she... (laughs) She comes sprinting the fuck out. Close, clothesline liberals, dude. Clothesline. Oh my god, libtards, <laughs> soy boys, and libtards are flying yeah. over the rings, getting eliminated. There's a trans Olympian. <laughs> I gotta get in the ring. I gotta make sure my opinion is felt. <laughs> and Chris is probably like, well, the worst that happens is that I don't work for AEW anymore, and I just got ice picked in the head. So I. <laughs> Let's I move think on I'm to okay. That. okay, so <laughs> fuck, fuck Jericho's wife, fuck Jericho. But anyway, so Chris Jericho faced his fifth. So he's got five labors of Jericho, correct? So the first one was chairman. Chairman sucks. No, we don't even need to talk about ten chairman. But, but I do want to mention. Go ahead, real quick. I, the only thing that you need to know about the match with the chairman is that he did eat a chair shot to the head. And if a finisher from Sean Spears, which just lets you know if this is level one, this is where we're trending right. through the rest. This is that level one is just a 50 year old man just eats a chair. So, so level two, we have five levels to this level two. It's like DEFCONs. We're at DEFCON two right now. DEFCON two is, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> the guy from GCW. I've never the, watched the dark side of the ring. Dark side of the ring. What's his name? Matt Gage? Nicholas, Nicholas Gage. Nick Gage. I've never seen this man wrestle until I watched Dark Side of the Ring. I only knew that when he got out of jail, it was a big deal. I don't I don't give a fuck about this guy. People were fucking fired up. This was fucking insane that this was on national television. Absolutely Fucking insane. Now, I'm going to say right this right now. Nick Gage fans out there that are listening, I know you're lining up around the block. You're right by where the Pensalkin Mart used to be. And Nick Gage like, fans listen to the FM radio. They're not going to find us. but They listen but to FM he, radio and AM radio Rush Limbaugh <laughs> reruns. And they're like, oh, don't talk shit on Nick Gage. We'll come to your house. Murder, death, kill. Nick Gage fucking sucks. This guy can't wrestle worth a fucking shit. But once that shit went down and they started cutting each other open, Brandon, you beat the internet to the punch by sending me the uh, still photo of Nick Gage cutting Jericho open with a pizza cutter with a dog <laughs> right next to it, frame in frame. Brandon, thoughts? I did, and, and uh, to pat myself on the back, I, it was a good reminder of the fact that I could very easily go viral if I want to. I just refuse to 
and Gage to Nick Gage and the internet, but I immediately noticed that was like, yo, they they love going picture in picture on this show, and they've got Nick Gage holding up the pizza cutter and just went into a Domino's commercial. It was fucking like, insane. That's just- <laughs> Yeah, and when I'm watching this, I think going into it, you're just going, this is for the real freaks that they're going to let Nick Gage onto this show. I, I just from a the, the same reason that I would watch uh, my 900-pound life, I'm like, I just want to see what they're going to do here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching it, and he, they're blading each other, all of the trashy shit that you would usually see in the abandoned showboat casino is happening <laughs> on live cable TV and they they cut to this now controversial it's now blown up on the inter, the internet segment of uh, the pizza cutter with the pizza commercial Jimmy what do you think about this do you, do you have a do you have a take on this was this a uh, an incredible moment in just the pure debauchery of wrestling or was this just classless no, I thought it was amazing. I thought this is amazing. I can't believe they pulled it off. I really don't. Um, fuck. Now, I'll, mind you, I started watching this match, and I, I'm not unless I, we stated before. Unless it's fucking FMW, I don't give a shit about fucking. Death matches, because a lot of guys involved in death matches in the United States stink. They can't wrestle. Nick Gage proved that. He can't do shit. Not one of his moves look good. So I kind of uh, the pizza cutter happened, and I kind of like get, like zoned out for a couple of minutes. Started looking at my phone, and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And then I glanced up, and then it was the spot with the um, the pane of glass. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, this is fucking, I can't believe they're doing this. Like the pizza cutter, I was kind of like, okay, okay, this is kind of, this is wild. This is crazy. And then I zoned out because I didn't care because the wrestling was terrible. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan of wrestling. I'm more of a fan of professional wrestling, you know, in the ring, guys competing, no blading and bullshit. But, man, what that once, I don't know. I didn't like it. Okay, let's be honest. I didn't like it. It's not for me. But it was a fucking spectacle. That's for sure. Go ahead. You are on mute, my friend. I can't hear a word you're saying. The same as I used to watch Jerry Springer, just to be like, is something crazier going to happen this week than has ever happened before? I had to watch this. But... Um, I don't think I've hammered this home enough and that the reason that I don't like Nick Gage is that just watching him move around, he just looks like a fucking dad. He's just awkward and, and he's stiff not that and old. he just doesn't look professional. He's really he not that look old. Like- he looks like shit. He looks like somebody that's like this slouched, old school deathmatch wrestler. No, he's a guy that does the death aspect of it but doesn't know how to do the match aspect of it. He's a terrible Penta, professional wrestler. If Penta El Zero Miedo wanted to do a match like this, it'd be amazing. I would go fucking nuts. Oh my god, it'd be a fucking amazing. Oh, listeners, by the way, if you ever want to see an amazing death match, go watch Pent uh it was Penta Pentagon Jr. versus Who the f- oh God, it was um Vampiro on um on Lucha Underground. 
It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. It might not be. But if you want to watch an amazing death match where it has great storyline and it all makes sense, Pentagon Jr. versus Vampiro on Lucha Underground. Season 1. You want to talk about fucking death matches. That's the kind of guy you want in a death match. Not fucking lumbering ass uh, heroin uncle Nick Gage. This shit stunk, man. But I understand the importance of it. I blew, It blew my mind that at 9.30 at night on TNT, there was some dude cutting another guy's, or 9.45 at night, there's a dude cutting another guy's head open with a fucking pizza cutter. Fucking insane. I get the importance. It's just not for me. Yeah, that, that's a, a good lead into what I, I wanted to counterpoint myself with and just being like, I also, as a TV consumer, uh, love the fact that Tony Khan with uh, unlimited money, uh, with all of the things he could do on TV, <laughs> decides to do this. Like, uh, that's... For every shitty listen, listen. crime show that's on TV, I love that he's like, hey, what if we had uh, Nick Gage with the one grinded down oh, tooth God, that he never got a cap teeth on? Look terrible. <laughs> it looks Yelling like, about oh murdering. It looks like that piece of corn that you get on Halloween that has like the brown pieces and the yellow pieces, and you know, like you, you stick it on like in front of your door to scare. It's spooky. It's spooky. It scares people away. <laughs> it's kind of rotten. I I gotta give fucking I gotta give this whole thing credit. Like I never expected to see this. I thought it was fucking terrible. <laughs> but the whole world is talking about it. We'll probably never see Nick Gage again on national television in our lifetimes. So much so that Domino's got word of this through their corporate you know, they've got people that are fucking watching out. People are tagging. Domino's and being like, yo, Domino's, you see this shit? And their people were like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with this. They dropped their sponsorship from AEW. But then, of course, the internet gets involved. So the AEW fans are tagging every single Domino's uh, Twitter post and calling them cowards and all kinds of weird shit. And uh, I think PBR has picked up AEW. PBR reached out to AEW and was like, yeah, we'll be your sponsor and... I don't fucking know. Brandon, thoughts? Yeah, that's why I didn't want to... When I saw the picture and sent it to Jimmy and Chris, I didn't want to escalate it for that exact reason where I'm just like, I don't... I could talk much more shit on the housewives that when I'm when I'm not controlling the remote are on. I hate that deeply. Uh, in, the, in my soul, I hate that stuff. This, I just... I have to go to work. I have to go to work, and people are like, "Hey, you do the wrestling podcast, right? Uh, what the, what do you think about that?" And I don't want to talk about that. Brandon, Brandon, that's real quick, let me end that for you. You know what you say? You have to listen to the podcast next week. Find out my opinions on. They're like, "Oh, yo, man, I can't grow my audience without that." There you go. <laughs> Just got you. I'm sure they don't listen to the podcast. No, absolutely not. But they do love to go. Hey, you like wrestling, right? Does that mean you like this? Uh, hey, I got this podcast you can listen to. <laughs> you should check it out. We got all the opinions. Final thoughts on Nick Gage? Racist ass Jericho? See you never, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, he's never going to show up again. Wild ass. Oh, um, uh, Juventud Guerrera is the next uh, challenge for Jericho. 
Are you familiar with Juventud, Juve at all? I've never heard the name until it came out of Maxwell Jacob Friedman's mouth. So yeah, he um a big star of WCW. He was in uh, uh, AAA when I was watching AAA in the early nineties. But you know he's uh, Chris Jericho's age at this point. But these Lucha Libre guys, man, fucking old school Mexican guys can still go into their like late years. Uh, fucking La Parca, the original La Parca. I think he's L.A. Park now. He could still go, and he's like fucking three hundred pounds. So yeah, it they should be fun. They, it should be fun. They like, he's not Orndorff. <laughs> no, I mean they they Orndorff their way out. They'll just go till they just explode in the ring. They, they, they no nope. pin arms. No pin arms here. Uh, final thoughts on AEW was um, what the fuck did I have to talk about? Oh shit, that's right. One of the biggest the news biggest items. News. Biggest news items of the week. So Daniel Bryant maybe signing with AEW. I don't I don't see that as likely. But CM Punk who's been gone from wrestling for a long time since getting screwed over by WWE, lost a bunch of match, lost a couple matches, I wouldn't say a bunch, a couple matches in UFC. And um, it seems like he's likely coming back to AEW. Now, before we even chime in on this, are you familiar with, let's answer a couple questions. Are you familiar with CM Punk's run in WWE? The UFC fighter? <laughs> yes, the UFC fighter. CM Punk? Yeah, yes and no. Again, this was this was right when I started to like be like, all right, fuck this shit. This isn't the Attitude Era. Um, he, I definitely have checked him out. I was watching pay-per-views, not paying, not monitoring CM Punk as a wrestler. So there's a wrestling community that is in love with CM Punk. I am not a part of that community. I was part of that community until uh, he quit. And then I don't even care anymore. So he quit WWE, and uh, you know you were on his side. He was very punk rock about it, and you know like oh they treated me poorly. And then he joined UFC and started training, and then he immediately shit on all wrestling fans. Now I'm not one to hold grudges. I don't give a shit. Most wrestling fans are fucking scumbags. But it's like eh, why the fuck are you gonna like do that? Like you know what I mean? Like it's stupid. What an arrogant prick. But I think if CM Punk signs with WWE, this is or sorry with AEW, this is the most important and biggest person that has ever been involved with AEW. Kenny Omega, forget him. Cody Rhodes, he's mid card. CM Punk is the biggest person. Well, besides Shaquille O'Neal, but the biggest person. To, if if he does sign. To sign full time with AEW, it's a big fucking deal. If he signs, it's big. I don't give a shit if he's forty years old. This is big. Uh, this could maybe catapult this company to being slightly closer to WWE, but not necessarily anywhere near them. But a lot closer. Thoughts? Yeah, I I almost think it. it like not bigger in the sense of like cash value, but as far as pay-per-view buys, this all-out pay-per-view I think will have more eyes than SummerSlam. I think it might have more eyes than some UFC fights. Like this is going to be a big deal. You saw the, like when he went to UFC, they got a big draw from WWE people. 
there's going to be a big draw from people that don't watch wrestling anymore because CM Punk is gone. Or from the time period when CM Punk was around that don't watch wrestling anymore, they're going to get pulled back in. This is a big fucking deal, and I don't think uh, I don't think uh, AEW fans realize. I mean, they they're making a big deal about it, but I think this is a bigger money deal than they understand. This guy is a huge name, but I don't I don't I don't know how I, he's going to perform in the ring. I can't fucking say any of that. Part of this conversation, and I'll cite a source here. I I do pay attention to a guy named Sean Ross Sapp, who uh, works for Fightful dot com and uh listened to him for a couple of years and he's does a pretty good job of not posting something until it's accurate and he said that there was a 70 plus percent chance that daniel bryan was on board or i'm sorry he said there's a 90 plus percent chance that daniel bryan was on board and a 70 plus percent chance that cm punk was on board as of i think yesterday the podcast was so that makes me think counter to what you said that he feels like people that know things feel strongly that Daniel Bryan is going with AEW. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's new to me. Know. I didn't hear anything about that. The only thing I know is that I watch AEW and they're hinting at CM Punk. They didn't mention anything about Daniel Bryan. It might be a big wool over the eyes type of move where Daniel Bryan shows up. I know the the big thing with Daniel Bryan would be that Daniel Bryan wants to work Japan and the only way to get do that. To enter the G1, which I wouldn't expect him to be enter this year, but maybe in next year he might be at Wrestle Kingdom. One of his big things is that he wants to work Japan and work New Japan really bad, and the only way to do that is to get out of WWE. But right. it, you know, he's one of these guys. He's not going to sign a long term long term contract. He's got kids and a family and all that shit, and they all live in what do they live in? Fucking Phoenix or something like that. They're nowhere near where AEW is headquartered. So it would make more sense for uh, – just this is just my observation. It would make more sense for maybe he works a couple shows for AEW or whoever, and then he goes and does tours in Japan. He is based on the West Coast. He's only gone for a couple of months. He comes home. You know what I mean? It it The fact that it's both of them reminds me of like uh, – and to use a real sports analogy, if, if anyone has – that listens to this, watches real sports. The Miami Heat were an irrelevant basketball team, and then all of a sudden, in the matter of a week, they signed Chris Bosh, and then they they signed LeBron James, and then the to use the to use a comparison, what John Moxley who and Kenny Omega who were your stars are now your fourth and fifth best player, and they right. slot much better in those roles. Right. And you have those big names at the top, and all of a sudden you look at the whole roster a little bit differently when you when you kind of replace your one and two as far as active names. Not, not that CM Punk was active, but the closest thing to that was probably Sting coming on board. And it, you look at the whole promotion differently, and you're like, wow, this may actually drive people away from WWE for a consistent amount of time. So um, I think it's fucking massive. I think that the fact that they're doing this all-out pay-per-view in Chicago, you, we already know Tony Khan's going to pay for the cult of personality. Yeah. You could very easily do something at the end where you boil over your main event and Dan O'Brien comes out. You just get the, the most monstrous, monstrous yes chant, and then that song hits, and you're like, okay, now I have to watch this show every single week until right. I know what's happening after that. Um I don't want to assume – I don't know that either of these people are signed, but if they are signed, I, I 
this is a big run at Vince like we haven't really seen before. Even with WCW, my perception of WCW growing up was like they have fake Stone Cold Steve Austin and Goldberg and all the old guys that I miss their prime. Right. I you could go ahead. Yeah, AEW has been not even on Vince's radar until this happens. I don't think. If it does happen, of course. He did. He did do a. Uh, you know, he did his stockholder thing where he's like, AEW, oh, we're competing with Sleep too and AEW. I don't. I don't buy any of that bullshit. But I don't, Daniel Bryant is one thing. CM Punk, I think, is a bigger star than Daniel Bryant. It has nothing to do about Daniel Bryan's star power. Daniel Bryan had a very big moment in professional wrestling. He was the biggest professional wrestling star for two years. The New York Islanders used his yes chant. Um, the um, San Francisco Giants, I believe, used his yes chant. Like it, it spilled over. But I think CM Punk is the... And the way they're teasing it, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. We're all guessing. We have no... Inside information in this. And you're saying that uh, uh, the uh, Wrestling Insider guy or whatever his name is, uh, Bob Ross, Bob Ross Snap? Yep. Bob Ross Snap said that 90% uh, Daniel Bryant. Is this all smokescreen just to get Daniel Bryant to come in? I don't know. CM Punk has already said he doesn't want anything to do with wrestling fans. I don't know. Just fuck. Fuck. This is a big deal. And it's fun. This is fun to talk about this. Although I'm not really talking. I'm just like, right now, but. This is what makes makes it exciting. Go ahead. I I think it's good to clarify for our own sake that we don't know what's coming, but if anyone is listening to this, they have no. Obviously, we don't fucking know what's coming. However, it does seem like that's a real possibility. And the fact that that is a real possibility, that's Daniel Bryan is probably most of the big WWE highlights of the last decade. Mm. They're now gone from WWE history, and he's on AEW's wrestling in the G1. That could be exciting. CM Punk is a whole nother level where Dana White, who's running a real sports business, didn't give a fuck to the point where he put him. He was selling hundreds of thousands of extra pay-per-views of the fact that this guy could have basically an amateur mixed martial arts contest. Right. That's how big this other guy is. The, yeah. Not the other guy. The, the, CM Punk. Yeah. How big you CM know Punk I mean? is. Yeah. In context of Daniel Bryan, that's right. how big the this second signing can be. And you can really blow the roof off in Chicago here if you do this. And real quick, people are forgetting about the botched uh, death exploding barbed wire death match people are forgetting about a lot of this yeah we shit. forgot all about that shit all the shit that happened before fans showed up i forgot about it i don't care anymore now i'm excited for the future most exciting for the future for me is daniel bryant the g1 climax i think for sure if he's not in this year which is probably highly unlikely i think that he shows up for at the end by wrestle kingdom if he does sign this Non WWE agreement, and then we get him in in G1 Climax next year. Think of the matches: versus Okada, versus Naito, versus um, Toriano. Yes, I can't wait till he loses to Toriano. 
But the guys they can bring in, Tanahashi, of course. Like this is this is a big fucking Daniel Bryan versus Kenta, which hasn't happened mm-hmm. since fucking Noah when they were both children. For me, as a New Japan fan or a Japanese wrestling fan, that's bigger than all this AW bullshit. I don't fucking care. I don't care if he wrestles friggin' Uno from the Dark Order. I don't fucking care about that. I care about getting him loose so he can go and wrestle in the G1 Climax. That's what I care about. Kenta has he, already tweeted that he wants to fight CM Punk. He already says that CM, he is acclaimed. I don't know how real it is that CM Punk stole his entire moonset. And he did. CM Punk did steal the go to sleep. <laughs> CM and the G1, dude? Nah, he ain't, he ain't, nobody wants him. <laughs> but Daniel Bryan like asked permission to use the running knee. Daniel Bryan asked permission to use all Kenta's fucking moves. CM Punk didn't do that. I don't know. Exciting time, though. Is there a better, like, right now? Look at right now and how exciting it is to watch professional wrestling every week compared to when we started in December. And we're talking about, what, eight months, nine months ago. It fucking sucked nine months ago. Right now, I'm fucking stoked to watch wrestling every week. What do you think? Yeah, I think what's exciting about this is, is, and again, I wasn't plugged in in the, in the 90s when WCW was willing to do the same things, but what the exciting strategic play here is by AEW is that they've been more than willing to interact with every other wrestling company and put them on TV. They had Hikuleo wrestle on TNT. Um, if they can somehow prove that that's more profitable than the locked door that wwe exists with it's it's been a known rule set my entire life that oh, wwe would never share the wealth that's not what they do you're either with us or you're against us if they could somehow prove that this kind of free-for-all yeah this for the sake of wrestling environment is successful i think it would be it'd be better for me it'd be better for you it'd be better for hard for wrestling so that's fucking sweet. I agree. I'm on board. I'm excited. Let's get out of here because I got to pay. All right. Thanks for joining us this week and join us here every week at Wrestling is Hard. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hard Number 4 Wrestling. Subscribe and follow and tell your friends. And for Brandon and Chris, who's somewhere out there. Hi, Jim. We'll be back here next week. Hopefully with Daniel Bryant showing up. <laughs> Bye. Next week.